Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. Well, WWE rolled out Survivor Series this past weekend, their second longest running closed circuit slash pay-per-view slash premium live event slash just open up your wallet and give us your damn money and nobody gets hurt event. And the 37th annual edition of the Thanksgiving night slash weekend tradition has plenty of action and surprises along with some pretty, uh, well, uh, by the book, uh, booking. So what did your humble idiotic servants think? We break it all down for you in this episode 147. It's the 2023 Survivor Series War Games Review, baby. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who lays claim to inventing the turret. Uh, uh, again, the spit got me. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who lays claim to inventing the church's steak. A steak stuffed inside a chicken and stuffed inside a turkey. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades, and someday we'll get a representative from the Food Network to do a special on him. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? I am, well, back in the dumpster fire business, ladies and gentlemen. It's It's been a been a hell of a month this year, uh, <laughs> this week. <laughs> And uh, the, the the beer drinking sign is officially on here at the Uncle Todd <laughs> State. But other than that, I'm doing do not great. Don't go. Do not collect $200. Oh, no. There's no $200 to be collected, let me tell you. How are you doing, sir? I am well. I am well. The uh, the bourbon drinking sign is also lit. So, yes. Uh, and for both of us, uh, we, I, I'm just going from our pre-production meeting, I'd say that we were both... Uh, in after after Thanksgiving, we are both definitely within the fatty McButterpants uh, <laughs> range. I think both of us just—I mean, God, disgusting, just disgusting. Like Marlon Brando at the end of Apocalypse Now, just like smearing gravy all over ourselves. Like, ah. <laughs> it's just just pathetic, oh. and yet also lovely at the same time. Um. <laughs> But yeah, we've got a whole lot to talk about this episode. But oh, first of all, let's man. get ourselves here into the week in geek. The week in geek. Feels so funky. What do we got going on this episode, sir? Uh, well, it is a glorious day. If I can get some ivories being tickled, uh, I uh, have to report, sir, that uh, my team. By the way, quick- yes, sir. Uh, glorious is no longer in the soundboard. What? Uh, I didn't think so. <laughs> two. This one goes out to quick slants. Glorious. No, you mixing them together? <laughs> I'll take this too. Well, quick slants. We went from a, a paltry 500 team in fourth place to now six, five, and one. And third place in Wait fantasy minute, football. So you're five, six, and one? Six, five, and one. Six, oh, five, six, and five, one. and one. Well, soon to be six, six, and one, which yep. uh, 
Well, you know? no, I think we'll be seven five and one because uh, Debo is back, ladies and gentlemen. Debo Samuel posting me some twenty five fantasy points this week, going crazy. Uh, right behind him, uh, Brandon Ayuk from uh, both are from San Francisco. He posted thirteen. Michael Pittman Jr. twenty. Uh, D- Derek Henry thirty eight. Uh, uh, Once uh, again, you can tell that Tim won the game because all of a sudden now we're getting an in depth rundown oh, of his box score. Rahamdre, R- Rahamdre Stevenson of the New England Patriots. New England Patriots running back. Who would have thought posting forty one points? It was a phenomenal week. Phenomenal week. So uh, I am uh, above five hundred. I will remain. Above above 500 and for now for uncle todd's uh prediction uh his curse that he has, he has somehow put on my team has now been broken uh and it's all smooth sailing from here we have let me just check the schedule let me check the schedule here ladies and gentlemen uh we have uh, three more weeks before the before the playoffs yes thank you for the uh whatever that is the turkey trot you know, put the whammy on you right there that's it all right giving you the evil eye Indeed, indeed. So much, much to celebrate. A lot of glorious feelings going on in the world of the fantasy gridiron for this week. For this week. Uh, moving on from that, we are coming off of a holiday weekend. A mm. a, a an absolute just disaster of diet of uh, of of any sort of adhering to any dietary. Uh, restrictions, rules, or anything. Gluttony Incorporated was what I believe is. <laughs> Good Lord Almighty. I, uh, we, we ended up, uh, so our Thanksgiving was, um, we, we had my wife's family over. We actually catered in uh, the turkey breast and uh, two sides. We did some Brussels sprouts and some mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes had, had the skins there. It was nice, creamy, uh, just, just amazing, amazing mashed potatoes. Uh, Brussels sprouts were phenomenal. Turkey was great. And then we had other sides and desserts the family brought all just everything was good top to bottom. Friday though was I think the real Thanksgiving for my family because my wonderful wife cooked up all these like appetizers. We were we set up our tree, we got it decorated. And my God, like from the hours of 10 to like six, I was just like eating and eating mm-hmm. and eating. And I, I told Uncle Todd I had plans to have like a nice evening bourbon at the end of it. And oh, the stomach was was revolting at that point. It, it, it said, you've done me wrong. Stop now. <laughs> Good Lord. Stop putting anything into me. Yeah, that <laughs> will happen. That will. So, uh, yeah. And then. uh yeah, and then our weekend, we, we had a good weekend with our sons, uh, just relaxed, played some of that Atari that I was talking about last episode. We got some Mars like, Revenge going. None of the good games on it. Ah, come on now. We had uh, boxing. Uh, the bo- <laughs> boxing game was good. We pummeled each other. It was fun. Basketball game was just playing sad to play. It's just, oh, God. Do they have combat? I think they do. I think they oh, do. I hope so. so. I mean, it's a game that came with the 2600. I believe they do. Yep. Uh, so it was fun. It was a good weekend. How was your weekend? How was your Thanksgiving holiday, sir? Who won the great gravy? I don't um, know what to call it. A contest that you and, and the and gravy you, cook-off. The gravy cook-off. Um I like to think well, okay, so let me let let's backtrack just a bit. And first of all, I have a question for you. Real tree or artificial tree? Real tree. Okay, good. Just uh, making sure that we're on the same page. Watered it just before the show started. Good man. Um, our Thanksgiving started a little bit early. Um, uh, my wife and I have been trying to uh, get uh, a property 
for for years now and it finally went through after like eight thousand hoops to jump through so we closed on our property on tuesday wow and my wife's uh first thing she said was we're going to get bourbon afterwards because i have come i have now brought her over to the dark side and she is fully in the camp of, oh, of you have a two converts a, now to your uh on, on your docket exactly she is a bourbon drinking lady which is great and i was like yes ma'am we we can do that <laughs> and <Salute>. even <laughs> even better was the fact that uh our our uh, mortgage originator gave us a bottle of jefferson's for uh, a closing gift which what? was lovely Jefferson by the sea? No, no, it wasn't Jefferson by the sea or ocean. It was just Jeffersons, which is oh, fine. Okay. Right. You know, it's an, an exceedingly um, drinkable bourbon. Oh my gosh, I, I always forget how good it is, especially mm-hmm. for the price point. So after we went to the after we did our closing, and everything we went to get lunch, and uh, Kim's very much a a uh, is a Woodford Reserve sort of gal. Yeah. That's that's yeah. her thing. I, I'm not. I, I not that I don't like Woodford Reserve. It's just not my favorite. But I was like, well, if we're going to celebrate, and we went to this uh, local place uh, down the street from uh, where we live, and uh, they have some, they have some some different selections on there. They have some kind of what people might consider unicorns every so often, mm-hmm. and they had Blanton's Gold Edition, Ooh. which is a, I believe, a one hundred three proof, mm-hmm. um, for thirty two dollars a pour. Nice. And I was like, well, if we're celebrating. Is that a single or a double? Mazel tov. Um, well, actually, it ended up being a little bit less for me because he he gave me basically everything that was out of the bottle and it didn't quite make it to a double. Okay. So he, he gave me a bit of a discount on it. Um, I didn't get the cap. I asked him if I could have it and he said, nope. Uh, I need this letter. However, he gave me a different one that he had an extra. He had an extra S, so I got the Blant- uh, got the S. I'm slowly collecting my my Blanton's cap so I can get it on the the oak stave. Nice. Um, so that was good. And then, so the follow up to that, how it relates to Thanksgiving, is we had uh, it was mostly just our uh, the our family, and then we had another uh, some friends over. And afterwards, Kim and I are having uh, some of the Jefferson. And our friend, who really doesn't drink that often, was like, let me try some of that. And she was really liking it. And I was like, that's just how good this bourbon is. Like someone who's not a bourbon drinker, not even really that much of a drinker, was drinking it. was like, oh, this is fantastic. Like, that's different. Um, As far as the gravy cook-off, I kind of feel like I won because Kim was making her regular gravy (laughs) and I was making mine. And she actually told me how much she liked the gravy that I made. So I kind of feel like I won on that. Nice. Um, it didn't quite pan out the way that I thought it was going to. Um, I, I didn't. I, I neglected to buy one ingredient. Oh, uh, the the recipe calls for a dry cider. Oh, interesting. I didn't have no dry cider, so okay. I didn't even have any cider. And so I tried uh, adding a little cooking sherry, figuring maybe that'll kind of you know kind of the alcohol do its thing and all that yeah so yeah. i think i was missing like the apple you know taste mm. to it but it was it's a very different gravy it's not a normal turkey gravy and i think it's um so i got it from a gordon ramsay youtube video i'll put it in the show notes uh where he does like these thanksgiving recipes and nice. the turkey that he he's describing that he was making um is he says it's more of a gamey taste okay like that's what he kind of likes about it so i'm guessing that because this gravy is very much it has a lot of um a lot of lemon 
and it's not as dark, it's not as rich, but it, it kind of has a very bright flavor. I'm guessing that would kind of pair up with a more gamey turkey as opposed to like just a you know the butterball turkey that we got, not butterball right you know brand, but a, a butterball style turkey. I don't know. It's just what we always get. Yeah. So um, it was good. I can't say that it's something I would want to make all the time. Um, however, next time I just need to make sure I have some cider so I can get a true taste of it. But it it actually came out really good. I thought it was nice. I thought it was good. It was just very different. Wasn't quite what I was expecting. Okay. But I'm I'm still going to claim that as a win. I mean, if so the you person you're competing against like sure is better. Of 2023. I am, and you know I, what? I, I think I, you need a little cult of personality for that, my friend. Mm, no, I think I need a need a little of this. <laughs> and there goes the shimmy. <laughs> <laughs> the shimmy, the shuffle. Yeah, baby, because you know, you get that gravy going, you get funky real bad. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Anyways, uh, All right. yeah, then then just a whole bunch of overindulgence over the weekend. <sighs> and just like Thanksgiving dinner after Thanksgiving dinner after Thanksgiving dinner. And then just, uh, and, at, and so here's the thing, like Friday, I actually spent a good portion of Friday morning into early afternoon cooking. Mm-hmm. Because after we finished our... Um, our dinner Thursday, mm-hmm. I set up my turkey stock. So I get the carcass and I have all the, the, the vegetable ends I've been saving and all that, throw that in, boil it down. And the friend that who came over, she's like ex- extraordinary cook. And I was like, mm-hmm. how long do you let your stock boil? She's like, I'll actually let it simmer overnight. Okay. I was like, okay, let me do that. So like I run the oven overnight for the whole night. Well, you just put, you have it on a burner. Okay. So we have, well, we have, no, that's what I mean. It's on a burner for the whole night, though. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, and it's it's a gigantic, it's the biggest stock pot that I have. So there's yeah. no danger that all that water is going to boil off. And you have it on, like, the lowest setting. Like, you put it on a real low simmer. Okay. okay. And um, so that simmered all night. Oh, <laughs> and, nice. And then that, I was letting it cool, and then I made a, I made a, um, a shepherd's, uh, shepherd's pie mm. with all the leftover potatoes. And nice. then what else did I do? Um, shoot, there was one other thing I did. Oh, I made a turkey. I made a turkey stew, a turkey soup, a turkey noodle soup. Nice with some of the leftovers and all that, and with my with my new stock. And I got all that kind of made and portioned out and into the freezer. So we've got like all the leftovers frozen and ready to go. And uh, yeah, so I was a busy little beaver on Friday, but it stopped me from gorging my myself for the remainder of the weekend either nice yeah nice not a bad I, way to go i do have to tell a real quick story i i, I said this I, I told uncle todd this in the in the pre-show the the pre-pre-production meeting um my wife makes these wonderful treats uh <laughs> it's, it's basically a pretzel with with a hershey's hug on top that's melted um and then she puts a like she she sets a bunch of these up on a cookie sheet puts them in the oven, gets them, you know, so the hugs are, are soft. And then when she brings it out of the oven, she'll push a M&M down on top, you know, kind of squishing it. Mm-hmm. And then she'll put that in the fridge and cool it. And it becomes the the most glorious chocolate treat mm-hmm. you've ever had. Salty I mean, and sweet, dude. Salty and sweet. It Crunchy. Is amazing. Oh. oh, my God. So it's, it's last Wednesday, and my son and I, Thanksgiving Eve, my son and I see – our youngest was home. We're making lunch, and we see a big container of these. And so mm-hmm. he and I just start grabbing a handful, and we're just like popping them in our mouth because it's just as it's, you do. It's candy. It's multiple pieces of candy, and um, 
and uh, my wife comes down and she and she says, "Okay, I you guys can't eat that. It's for th- it's for part of our Thanksgiving <laughs> dessert tomorrow. Is is just having you know these candies." And and it was just one of those moments. I I can't do it justice describing it, but the way my son and I looked at each other with this impish grin on our faces, like. Ooh, our hand was caught in the cookie jar. And, and and after that, she's like, one moment. And she basically writes down, do not eat until Thanksgiving, puts the post-it note on top. We're done at that point. Essentially laying down the law. And laying down the law. It is all done. It is so. So say we all. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we refrained uh, up until, uh, you know, dessert on Thanksgiving Day, at which point my nephew and nieces uh, or my nephews and niece uh, saw their uncle go a little hog wild with the uh, candies. Uh, but they they did not doubt me afterwards when I said, you cannot just have one. You will mm-hmm. have one and you will come back. And sure enough, one of my nephews, he just kept coming back for more and for more and for more. And I'm like, oh. see, I told you. <laughs> That's danger food, dude. I'll just oh. chain eat those. That, yeah. And I ate a bunch of them on Friday, too. I, I, I just went, I said, the hell with the diet over these two days. I'm just going to enjoy it. So. You could lead me into any trap you want. You just leave a trail of those things. Oh, I'd be amazing. done. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, all right. So enough of reliving the gluttony. I feel like I just gained five pounds talking about that. So what's Indeed. up? What's up next, sir? Well, some interesting news last week. Um, this is from TheVerge.com. Uh, and, you know, it was published on other uh, various uh, news sources. But uh, Dave Filoni, Filoni gets the keys to the Star Wars franchise. Or if we just put this into Ric Flair terms, for since we're somewhat of a wrestling-centric show at times, or mm-hmm. maybe today, uh, Dave Filoni is the man yeah. uh, of Star Wars. Yes, he is. Uh, he is now chief creative content officer. Uh, and what that now will enable him to do, uh, based on some of the quotes from this article and from others that I read, is uh, while he has been involved in many of the Star Wars properties as of late, um, he tends to be kind of pulled in after uh, the concepting and and a lot of the, the pre prerequisites have already been kind of done. And so he will now be at the head of that process and will be able to shape and mold, I think, a lot of the things that uh, start into the uh, content pipeline for Star Wars. So uh, what does that mean for us? It means hopefully with him at the helm and, and seeing what he's done with Rebels, the great work he's done with Favreau on uh, Mandalorian, um, the Ahsoka series we just saw that was just amazing. Um, he, he just has, he, he clearly has a love uh, of, of the franchise, but he also seems to have the spirit and, and kind of the mindset of, of Lucas when it comes to the kind of stories that Lucas was trying to tell. And, and I feel like in some ways, Filoni is maybe a little bit more of a capable storyteller. Um, you know, when you consider Lucas's struggles with writing and, and the way he doesn't really enjoy that process, I'm just wondering if uh, we'll we'll just, uh, you know, be entering an era where, where we'll see a resurgence or a renaissance, if you will, of Star Wars content with him at the helm. So I'm, I'm very bullish on this, but maybe yeah. I'm a little too optimistic. Sir, bring me back down to earth. I'm not going to bring you down to earth. I'm, I am going to take a little issue with uh, with Lucas in terms of storytelling. Uh, because I, I, I think for a lot of the faults that Lucas has is he does know how to tell a story. He knows how to get people interested in the story because we wouldn't still be talking about Star Wars this many years after. There wouldn't be a, a want to continue all of it and there wouldn't be this fascination with it if he didn't know how to tell a story. You know, he came yeah. up with the whole thing. 
And I, I was reading something the other day that was very interesting to me because I never really thought about it. And just how in the first 10 minutes of, of A New Hope, he establishes the universe as pre-existing, as, as already in progress. Because, you know, talking about Vader saying, you know, you won't get away from me this time. Or, you know, or and he does that several times in that first beginning uh, period to establish like this is not the first time that, you know, that he's been dealing with Leia. This is not the first time that that they've been trying to outwit the Empire like this. is This has been going on for a while. And it puts you in the middle of the story, which, you know, I mean, you have to ask. George if that's really what he was trying to do or if it was just because that was what was in his mind and he wrote it that way and afterwards you're like oh yeah it sounds like a really good thing yeah, that's exactly what I, meant to do. <laughs> I don't know um, but you know he, he he did craft a story that was interesting and, and worth continuing in a universe that people love so I can't give him a hard time there what I will say is I think there is an expiration date on <laughs> some some creators working with their creation mm-hmm. and that it just, what they're doing just doesn't necessarily jibe with the world at that point, mm-hmm. the, the outer world, not their own world. Um, and so I feel like Filoni has a big time reverence for Lucas and for mm-hmm. what Lucas has created, but I feel like he's a little bit more in touch with how to tell that story and how to expand that story going yeah. forward in a way that kind of resonates with people. Yeah. Now, of course, as, our, as I've said many times, there's a bunch of Star Wars out there who are just, you know, whining little twerps who are going to piss on everything that isn't the original trilogy. But, I mean, the man is obviously no knows how to deal with this. So I'm I'm bullish on it. I think it'll be great. I think he's done a, he's done a worthy enough job. And at this point, no matter what people, you know, I know people like to, poo-poo like the kind of the ending of Ahsoka and there was a bunch of people again the same twerps and even other people were like oh it's nothing but you know what look at Mandalorian look at Rebels look at this and you know tell me that this guy has not given you a lot more to this universe than there ever was before yeah and that you that he is not trustworthy going forward I find it hard to believe that he that if someone unless someone has a real axe to grind they can't agree with that you know what I mean yeah, I mean, one concern I have or, or have or had because I, I feel like maybe this is the genius of Filoni is, um, you know, the upcoming movie he's making, which will kind of be like this version of, you know, Star Wars version of, of Avengers Endgame, where it's going to bring all these different franchises together with with Thrawn. And, you know, the concern I have is, you know, to to. I don't feel like we're at a point where Thrawn's a real threat. I mean, like there's an, you know, he's been introduced, he's, he's shown his ability, but he hasn't in my mind, at least been built into this, you know, galactic threat that's going Mm -hmm. to render the, the need for all of these groups to come together. So part of me is hoping that it isn't just one movie, but maybe he does a duology or, or cause it doesn't have to be a trilogy. Maybe it can just be two movies, you know, but there's got to be like, in my mind, some time given to to really establish Thrawn as a as a villain. You know what I mean? Like like we've just scratched the surface with him, and, yeah. and they did the the right amount of exposure to him in Ahsoka. It, it, it wasn't that show wasn't about him. It was it was a way to introduce him. Um, 
but you know, I have faith because the guy clearly, like I said, he, he knows how to tell compelling stories in this universe. And so I think, you know, in, in some ways I almost hope it is reverse psychology because if you come out and say, Hey, we're going to do a new trilogy, you've already kind of set expectations with the audience. Oh yeah. The worst thing they can do is like say, Oh, this is a new trilogy. Cause it's, you're setting up, like you said, that expectation and you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Just don't say anything. Just say, Hey, this is a movie. Right. And if it happens to continue, then, you know, or come out and establish that like, yeah. And I think that would be really wise because I could see then instead of a trilogy, I could see them doing, you know, the first movie establishes how much of a threat he really is and maybe leads to a cliffhanger. I mean, really similar to the Avengers. I mean, Avengers is really, you know, the Infinity Saga is really a duology in a way, right? Mm -hmm. It's two movies. And you use the first one to... And and they did this like we had seen Thanos in in fits and spurts, but we never really got into him deep. And Infinity War goes deep on him, and then the bomb is dropped when you know half of uh, of all life is removed, including some of the heroes. And so you leave it on a cliffhanger, and then you come back in the second movie, and it's kind of like how do they end up thwarting him? And so I think the same kind of treatment could be done with Thrawn, where you give him the space and time to establish himself as this threat you leave it on a cliffhanger and now you know because you haven't declared it a duology now you got people hungry what's going to happen next you know i mean that's like the best thing this franchise needs is like people like wondering what what the heck comes now Mm -hmm. because i'm sure back in 1980 when they went to see empire strikes back maybe at that point they had said it was going to be a trilogy but the way that movie ended and what makes that movie so amazing is the way it ends and the twists that happen along the way and now it's like how is this going to resolve you know people are invested in going back when you come out with that next picture so i'm i'm looking forward to what he's going to bring because i think he brings uh uh you know just a a an energy to to the franchise and 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 brings uh you know just just a a, a creative spirit and creative you know, I hate to say the word energy again, but but I, again, I feel like there's just an energy there with him that things tend to be told in a way that are compelling and seem to grow, you know, the franchise rather than, you know, make it, you know, kind of worse or, or retracted a bit. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Contracted a bit. So, yeah, no, agreed. All right. Uh, finally, uh, this one comes by way of Uncle Todd, and uh, this is from Insider.com. Uh, at first, when I read this article, I thought this was basically a continuation of a saga that has started at the very uh, inception of this podcast. Uh, a very long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, there was an article that was published about Sam Esmail. Uh, coming out with a Battlestar Galactica uh, reboot, and that is no, yet to come God, to fruition. Please, no, no, no. I agree. And this article, uh, which I skimmed very quickly and thought that was about Sam Esmail, it is not. Let me be clear, <laughs> it is not about him. So I am not sued or in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but is basically uh, about Netflix uh, having handed a director millions of dollars to make a sci-fi series. But ends mm-hmm. up, uh, the director squanders it on stocks, crypto, and flashy cars. Well, now, and to be fair, like, he had an original budget that supposedly he spent on the series. And then he requested more money. Yes. They gave it to him, and that was the money that he squandered. So it wasn't the entirety okay. of the budget. It was something okay. like $12 million or something, if I'm remembering right. But still, a substantial amount... <laughs> 
of, of somebody money. else's money to do to you. There's nothing to show for it. Is is what I took away from the article. There, there's no show that's going to get you know yeah. produced or anything. So, uh, the director in question is, uh, I guess he directed uh, 47 uh, Ronin, and that's uh, it. Or if you're Jimmy Dice, Ronin. Uh, <laughs> Carl Eric Rinch is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently, uh, yeah, he scored a 61.2 million dollar production deal. Uh, to craft a sci-fi series uh, for Netflix. Uh, let's see. The Times reported that Netflix had sunk 44.3 into his show Conquest by March 2020, but that Rinch then told the company he needed more money or production would cease. They gave him an additional $11 million, but that money wasn't all spent on producing the series. Instead, he used 10.5 of it uh, to, uh, let's see, from let's see, funding to play the stock market. Uh, and then uh, where he lost big time. Yeah. Cited uh, court filings and financial documents from his divorce and eventually lost five point nine million in trading. He then pivoted the crypto market, uh, but he was luckier that time. He bought Dogecoin, Doge, uh, which turned Rinch's four million bet into uh. nearly twenty seven million dollars. Uh, and then he took that money and spent eight point seven of it on fancy cars and designer goods. Whoops. Um, so uh, it's almost like this guy was uh, living out a little midlife uh, crisis there. Oh, totally, totally. Uh, so despite spending more than $55 million on the series, Netflix has yet to receive any episodes from the director. So you oh. understand when I read that line, I'm like, it's got to be Sam Esmail, right? <laughs> yeah. That was actually the first thing I thought, too. <laughs> So uh, yeah, it's it's rare to read a company get uh, worked into a shoot, so to speak. But <laughs> you know, but the thing is, here's here's the deal. Like I have oh. almost no sympathy for Netflix in this situation. No, because it was a poor choice. I mean, I can see taking a chance on the guy, but his movie it wasn't like it was a like it was even a an underground hit or a cult classic or anything like that in the last couple of years. Like this is like ten years ago that this movie came out, wasn't it? Wasn't it like 2012 so. or something? And he ain't done nothing yes. since then? And you're like, sure, let's give him $60 million. And then, you know, you you he says, oh, I need more money. He comes at you like, you know, I need about 350 and, <laughs> and Sure. And, and you don't ask for any deliverables. You don't ask for a screening. You don't ask for, like, any any proof that he's doing anything. You just cut him a check for, like, $11.5 million and send him on his merry way. Well, you know what? You're damn foolish enough to do it. You you deserve to get screwed. I'm sorry. But that's that's got to be one of the most ludicrous business decisions I've heard of in the last few years. And there's been a few. I mean, it's right up. The, it's I. You know what? I would say. This business decision is almost as egregious as what's happened with with Muskrat and Twitter, just with like the malfeasance and stupidity that has gone on. It's close because the thing is, like, it's not like this is a one time thing. Like, you know, Muskrat going and buying his own social media platform is stupid and all that. But you can be like, well, he's he's rich and he has hubris and, you know. Uh, you know, he, he's he's also apparently insane. So he was yeah. on a ketamine rant and decided to buy Twitter. Whatever. Um, Netflix does this all the time. Like this is their business. All they they produce. They are now in the production business. Yes, they do this a lot. It's not like this is their first deal. And yet they still did this. Yep. Like, what's the approval process? Is it essentially like a cat that just has like two cards in front of it and whichever one it swats first? They're like, all right, Mr. Whiskers says you get the money. Here you go. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on in Netflix? Yahtzee. <laughs> like, 
You win. Yeah. So like, here, take this 32 sided die. If you manage oh. to get over 103 rolls, you know, here, Man. Merry Christmas. Like, I, what the hell? What the hell is going on? I don't know. I do not know. Yeah, it's, oh. like, it's like rolling 19 on a 20 sided die. You know what I mean? It's like, well, uh, yeah, oh my gosh, it's it's, it's, it, it's absurd. It, it's just, it's just so surreal. And, and, I don't know. You you read these stories and, and you yet just we wonder. can't get a venture capitalist behind us for this podcast. Well, I, I feel ashamed of myself, honestly. I, I've already written down in, in in my notes here for what what have we learned in this episode? I, I I just you know threw a little little tidbit in there. Netflix, you know, if you're willing to give Uncle Todd the man they called him three fifty, we'll take it. <laughs> we don't need we don't need nearly that much. I need about twelve grand to get out of this basement. That's all I need. <laughs> Netflix can find that in their couch cushions. Give, all at a brother, would you? Uncle Come Todd's on, ready for a new iMac. You know what I mean? He's he, he, can, can can you help a brother? I'll tell you, you what, make I mean? it make it fifteen, just to be sure. <laughs> I got a couple of upgrades I want to make. Of course, of course. Oh my gosh! All Netflix. right. Well, after that sordid tale of of money run amok, uh, that my friends is. The Week in Geek. Oh, well, thank you, sir, for sleuthing and slithering all over the Internet and uh, making us all feel a little smarter by uh, by proxy because we aren't Netflix. Um, and we now on to the main event, which would have oh. been Survivor Series 2023 War Games, the 37th iteration of, of Survivor Series. Of course, we don't have any Survivor Series matches to be seen in this pay-per-view, which is I still think is kind of tragic. I think... Mm-hmm. They easily could have done something different here and wound up with at least one Survivor Series match. I think it could have happened, but um, can, can, whatever. Can, but before we get into it, can I just share one thing just about Chicago and wrestling in Chicago? Because uh, and, and I'm sure you probably have listened to this already, but Jim Cornette. Uh, I, I actually haven't listened to Uncle Corny's breakdowns yet. Okay, so in, in listening to what we will talk about eventually with the return of CM Punk, he makes this phenomenal point or fantastic point and, and does it in that typical uncle corny, just <laughs> while he's laughing sort sort of, you know, voice. Uh-huh. His first question is how much money do people in Chicago have? Because th- th- this, this is what he, he can't fathom. Mm-hmm. So Friday night SmackDown emanates from the all state arena. Mm-hmm. They sold uh, somewhere in the range of 15,800 or so tickets. Okay, not a uh, sellout. Close but... to 16,000 16, tickets. Yeah. Uh, Saturday is Survivor Series, also emanating from the All-State Arena in Chicago. Mm-hmm. They sell 16,800 tickets. Yeah, they had a sellout then, didn't they? I believe Wednesday for AEW Dynamite, I think uh-huh. it was AEW Dynamite, they maybe rustled up about six 7,000. <laughs> so, I mean, about right. Uncle Corny is like incredulous about this. He's like, I don't know how much spending money people have, but for crying out loud, they just ran 32,000 fans over this course of two nights. And like, and Tony Khan can't even get 7,000 people in a building. (laughs) And they're all going to be on one side of the arena, folks. (laughs) They are. They are. Much to Adam Copeland's chagrin. (laughs) My gosh. Yeah. But it is kind of funny, like, you know, how, how Chicago is kind of, at least as of late, this like wrestling mecca sort of area where it's like all these kind of big happenings, you know, punk coming back, 
you know, with AEW in 2021. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah, multiple times, uh, you know, in Chicago. And, you know, again, a lot of it's because of the following he has and how the fans react to him. But uh, but no, it's 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 a strong it's a strong uh, wrestling, you know, kind of fan base, I think. And and even in the in the um, in the in the press conference after Survivor Series, you, you know, Triple H talked about how much you know, and I'm sure some of this was just blowing smoke, but you know, just how much he would enjoy wrestling at Allstate Arena because oh, said it was his favorite arena. Yeah, which I'm favorite like arena because of the acoustics. Heresy. So I mean, loud. MSG. Oh, I know. I know. Some, somewhere Vince was just cursing at his TV. Of course, he was on the Home and Garden Network, but because he couldn't figure out how to change the channel. But still, you know, somewhere Vince was doing what Mickey Goldsmith did in Rocky One when like Apollo was saying bad yes. things about Rocky, and he like throws <laughs> your bum, spitting his soup and crackers all over the bed. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Which actually, that I bet that was closer. You're probably actually one hundred percent accurate. Burgess Meredith, what what a treasure! What a treasure that man was. I say we knock his block off. Absolutely, uh, you bum. All yeah. right, that but, was Rocky uh, too. By the way, that that was Rocky too. Oh, was that Rocky too? When he yes. gets all okay. Yeah, because immediately afterwards, he shows up at Rocky's house, like <laughs> basically still in his underwear, just with a long coat on. <laughs> and that's what he that's the, only, that's the only thing he says. I say we knock his block off. Yeah. And Rocky's like, absolutely. I'm like, Jeez. Thunder and crap lightning, kid. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to chase this chicken. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways. Um, oh, all right. Yeah. No, I mean, it, and the thing is, like, the crowd was hot, although they were just uh, the, the CM. It didn't take very long for the CM Punk chance to oh, start no. and, and at the drop of a hat. And I actually give overall and overall because I mean, we're, we're starting with overall thoughts here, I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. 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 Overall, I, I think. I think the workers, the the wrestlers, the in-ring performers did a very good job of of keeping the crowd away from that. Like mm-hmm. they did a good job of still creating space, but they did it in a way that, you know, they gave the crowd something so that they didn't start chanting CM Punk out of boredom a whole lot. Right. You know, right. like they 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 did a good job of keeping the crowd into it. I will say that. Now, I mean, far and away the best reaction of the night was was the very end i mean unquestionably that is one of that is one of the loudest pops i have ever heard Mm -hmm. i mean austin rock like first for orton i mean orton got a really good reaction oh he did but nothing compared to punk i'm sorry like everything else everything else was was a five or six maybe a seven randy was eight maybe eight and a half punk 11 yeah i mean it was it was absurd I, I, I will throw in part of, I think what you are complimenting though, is, um, whether you, like, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I do credit WWE and, and the mind, you know, the, 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 the leaders there in, in making the call Monday night to have Cody name Orton. Yes. The, the, the fifth, the, the fifth member of the team, because had they not done that, Oh yeah, I think this would have been a very different sort of crowd dynamic because everyone would be hanging their hopes on Punk being the fifth guy. Oh yeah, as soon as that working so, match started, it would have just been CM Punk the whole time. Absolutely. So I think they were extraordinarily wise in going ahead and and spoiling that surprise and bringing Orton in, 
and or, or just making everyone aware Orton is the fifth guy. Yeah. Now they played with it a little bit over the course of the night saying, oh, he hasn't shown up yet. And and I think they were doing that more to play into the Cody Seth sort of drama in, in yes. the same way in the women's match. They were kind of playing into the Charlotte Becky drama. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also I thought it was going to backfire on him a little bit. I'm like, you guys are kind of playing with fire here a little bit because if yeah. your main event is all hinging on whether Randy's showing up or not, you're going to have the whole crowd go and see him punk because they're going to think he's going to be, you know, stepping in for like, there was even a rumor like the day of uh, where someone was saying, you know, they, they thought they read or heard that, you know, Cody might get taken out in the beginning of the event and they would shoehorn punk in as yeah. you know, kind of his like, you know, stand in or something like that. Um, thankfully they didn't do that. So, yes. um, so to your point, yeah, I, I think, I think the setup of this was well done to try to, diffuse what would have been kind of an unruly crowd yeah no totally uh and i imagine in uncle corny's review of the of the premium live event he must have been beside himself with the number of we want tables uh chance because he hates that yeah. he hates how they're, they're chanting for effing furniture that was the um, other big pop though when you talk about the loud pops did oh, you yeah. hear the crowd go nuts when in both the women's and the men's matches when they would pull the table out the yep. place went freaking ballistic which is one of those things where i i can kind of understand corny's frustration and his yeah. curmudgeonly uh approach to that because it was getting annoying to me i'm like just shut up up and enjoy the match like yeah. i would have actually preferred that one of those matches just had no weapons involved mm. like seriously make or, or if the if it was the men's event make that bull rope coming out special by that being the only thing mm-hmm. something like that um but i mean we'll talk more about that but that was an overall thing that i was like ah it's just so friggin' lame that like it's like the well, we're gonna start with the kendo sticks, and then we're gonna do this, and then we're gonna do mm-hmm. that, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, fine, but now it's just turning into basically an extreme rules match, and yeah, yeah, you know that to basically. me takes away from it a little bit. Not to mention, here's here's my big observation: I feel the War Games match is just too effing long before the War Games match actually starts. Yeah, they need to quicken this mother up <clears throat> in a big way. Like this whole, what is it, like a five minutes for the first two, then it's like every three minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting that they did mention that if someone escapes the cage, that's a forfeit. I yes. don't remember that from the last one. Yeah. Was that was that a new stipulation, or do you remember that from no, the last? I, I remember that was part of it. I think that's okay. that's been a, a standing rule since the very beginning. Um, Here, I mean, here's the I get the, that, why okay. they don't have the why they have why they don't have the top on because wasn't isn't that original War Games like they had the top on the cage and everything? They did, and I think that led to more problems than it solved because like you had cases I think where like Sid Vicious would try to power bomb someone, and when you go to bring them up you know, the guy would, his head would hit the, the top. Well, yeah, but they, that's also because back in the day, like that, those cages were flimsy as hell. Like oh, they didn't yeah. do the, yeah. the same construction they did, which they could easily do. But I, 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 I understand why they don't, even just for the fact of you getting those overhead camera views, because yeah. those were spectacular. Yeah. Um, I get that. So what I, what I would suggest, honestly, I think, dude, three minutes to start off with the first two, two, two people in there, then every two minutes. Okay. Shave it down because yeah. it just it drags like I don't care how good the storytelling is once you get it get into that segment of like, OK, the one team has the advantage. 
you know, back and forth that like that's got to go quicker, man, because it, mm. it, every time it just dra- there was a certain point it started to drag a little bit. And yeah. then you finally get everyone in. And it's like now let the war games begin. I'm like, oh, my gosh, the match is just bloody starting. Yeah. If you were to do that, you save how many minutes at the beginning of each of those matches? And you can throw one more match into this into this pay-per-view, which would have been nice to have just something another something different, you know, yeah. Not that the matches were bad. It's just like it would have been nice to have even more variety in this rather than too big. It's almost like Royal Rumble where it's like, okay, we we know there's two really extraordinarily big matches and then there's only room for a couple more because you don't want to have a five hour pay-per-view. Right. I I think what's what's lacking right now is that first part before the War Games matches declared started. There's no consequences with it. And, and and I know the concept is that it's meant to be this violent, vicious thing where, you know, it's kind of a free-for-all. And then when the match starts, then, you know, there there's something official that can actually happen with the match. But this is where I wonder if what they need to do is blend the Survivor Series concept into the War Games where mm. there is a part of the match maybe the beginning part where it's elimination only and and there's no win that can be scored and then when all members have finally entered then the match begins and whoever scores the next submission or pinfall wins because then there's actually like stakes because if you during that first part like let's say the judgment day eliminates two or three of of cody's crew in that beginning part and now it's five on two or it's five on three or something like that. Yeah. But then then that match takes on a different tone because now the, the, the underdog team has to really be smart about like it it brings a strategy element. The the problem that I find where I feel it falls flat is it's five on five or, you know, it's, it's, Mm. it's, it's lopsided leading up to the five on five, but it's like, that whole first part, like what did it actually accomplish? Like everyone's still in the match. Everyone is still active. Everyone is still going. So it's like, what did that beginning part even do? Like no one's injured. No one's maimed. No one's really knocked out of the match. Like, like that is what I thought Dusty's intent was when he first did war games with like the horsemen. Yeah. And him was there was like a, a, an intent to maim and to hurt. Yeah. And so the idea was when you got to the match, not everyone was, you know, copus mentis at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, how about, how about if you did it like this? How about if you almost incorporated, I, cause I like the idea of the elimination. I just don't know how it would, I don't know how it would necessarily work. So here's what you could do. You could take this in a hockey direction. So like in a, when a, when you get a power play in hockey, mm-hmm. if you score a goal, then the power play is over. Yep. So if, so when you have the first two people in there, there's nothing that can happen. Mm-hmm. Once the once you get a man advantage or one minute advantage, you know, person yep. advantage, yep. then if in the next two, even if you say three minutes, go back to the original times just to keep it less confusing. Forget my idea. In, the, in those in those three minutes that you have the advantage, mm-hmm. if you get a pinfall or a submission on that on the other team, when mm-hmm. you have the advantage, that person's eliminated, but then no matter how much time is left, they automatically bring in a new person. I see. From that team that just got an elimination. So it takes away, you, yeah. you don't get that far ahead of, so you can start going through them all, but yeah. at a certain point, like it, you, you need to, um, 
there has to be some sort of strategy from the so you can talk about like well they want to eliminate this person but this person they just want they want to just torture him yeah or they want they want to just let this one simmer because they don't want to lose their advantage right so those sort of things that might be a good good way to do it to it so it doesn't get so far out of hand because you don't want it to be like one on five because then it's like well yeah like, yeah like like you could book it so it's not so crazy in terms of of that. Or, or maybe you do. Like, like it depends on the story you're trying to tell, right? I mean, if you're trying to tell, and again, I'm just spitballing here, but let's say, you know, as part of Cody's story, right, one on five, maybe he doesn't end up winning, but maybe he takes out four of the members of Judgment Day and just comes up a little bit short or something like that. I mean, yeah. It, or maybe it, maybe it becomes once you have, yeah, once you have all the people involved even right. you know, you've gotten everyone's out of the cages everyone's into the the rings then it's for then it becomes sudden death like then the first right. pinfall or submission so yeah then you can have that one person's eke out a victory believably yep. somehow you know what i mean because i guess it introduced stakes right so mm-hmm. if 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 you go with the elimination concept then you know, let's go with like what was it, Balor and JD McDonough, I think, were were the first two for, for the judgment day. Mm-hmm. Let's say they eliminate Jey Uso, right? Now, or, or who who's the first one that, that went down? I forget. Was it Seth Rollins? Like, let's say they eliminate Seth Rollins, so Jey Uso runs down. Now it makes sense when he runs down, if he goes under the ring and grabs a chair or he grabs a table or he grabs like a kendo stick, it actually makes sense now because yeah. he's going into a one-on-two situation. He's going to bring some heavy lumber with him to kind of even things out to at least last until the next member of his team is is then unleashed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I that's where I feel like there's some interesting storytelling, dramatic sort of things they could do with it if they utilize that front half of the match as more of an elimination, less of a win-loss sort of thing. It's like you know, now the teams are incented to try to eliminate as many members of the other team as they can before the match actually starts Yeah. so that they have the numbers advantage. Now you have a strategic motivation there. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's just this, yep, everyone comes in and everyone's doing their high spots and who's going to bring yeah. the tables in and who's going to bring, you know, here comes Shotzi with the with the big gar- garbage can lid or whatever, or not Shotzi, it was Kari Zane was doing that. Um, so I, th- that's where I feel like, they they could leverage their heritage a little bit in the Survivor Series concept to augment what I think is a great match concept, but it just, you know, because I think they're trying to keep it, I don't know if they're trying to keep it PG or they're trying to avoid the blood aspect to it, but it's, I, I mean, when you go back and watch WCW War Games, it was a freaking vicious match. It was like yeah, blood, guts, and, you know, guys getting like, you know, not injured for real, but just, you know, going through the ringer, um, you know, the, the, the whole concept of slamming the door into someone's head, I think started there and, and, and done viciously, I think by Arn Anderson. Mm. And so I, I just think that to your point, I think, yeah, there, there's definitely room where they could augment it. Um, you know, where, where I, I think it'd be a nice blending of both organizations, kind of concepts where you're taking this this great concept from WCW War Games and combining it with Survivor Series and turning it into this really rich kind of storytelling device through this match. But yeah, no, I I agree. And you know, it's not like I'm I'm not saying it 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 ruined my enjoyment of the night, but it it did. It felt like it dragged and it it after a while it just becomes thankfully they only have a, a, two of these matches. Because I, I couldn't have taken a third, quite honestly. 
um, just as it's structured. But I like your idea. I think that's I think that'd be a good way to go. I think one of the other things that I would I don't know that I'll dock the individual matches for this. Mm-hmm. I will dock the entire event for the fact that, um, you know, it was very much booking by the book, like mm. all the, you know, the baby faces go over in the, the war games matches, the champions retain, um, the only match that was kind of up for grabs, uh, you know, you probably could have predicted that Santos Escobar was going to go over Dragon Lee because he that he was a replacement. He had to. He had to. Yeah, he had to. So I mean, there they're, was they're, they're building him up as a heel right now. So he yeah. he's he's got to lodge some W's to be considered a threat to Mysterio. So there was nothing really shocking in any of the match results. Yeah, they were yeah. satisfying. In I mean, and I will give them the credit for this. They managed to because this could have been a bloody disaster. This could have been abysmal, but they managed to pull it off because they they got the stories that they told and the way the performers told them and the way that the, I'm sure that the matches were crafted creatively speaking, the, they managed to tell stories that were satisfying enough that even though it was the result, they were kind of, honestly, they were anti Roman reigns matches Mm -hmm. because even though we knew you kind of got the result that you figured was going to happen, you were actually satisfied with the match instead of going like, well, that kind of was, a wet fart in a paper bag mm-hmm. like because the match wasn't even exciting yeah like these matches were actually had excitement to them there was spectacle to them there was you know there was highs and lows and 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 you know laughs and everything there was all that in there so you kind of felt like well yeah it's by the book but yeah it was I, I still was entertained yeah you know and they saved the the big you know the the big surprise for the end but it that was kind of if i had to i would ding it probably a little bit oh it's an overall event just for that like mm. no uh, both the champs retain the baby faces go over and the other match like well yeah exactly how it had to turn out so no surprises except for you know some dude walking out at the end which yeah. eh, cool but eh. you know who i'm actually going to call the mvp though of, of this of this event is uh our truth is- well, our our truth gets a, a I've been here the whole time. <laughs> what up? My bad. Um <laughs> Oh my gosh, all the R Truth stuff. Oh god. He, when he's I'm, incredible. You're not in the match. I'm not. <laughs> my bad. I, my bad. I'm sorry, Kane. Uh I'm sorry, people. <laughs> or oh or his whole like entering the Royal Rumble so he can eliminate oh, Paul Heyman and Paul. You're a big I'm not in the match. He's in the match. Big big man it's like i am unof- i am officially undeclaring from the royal Rumble. <laughs> and watching brock lesnar oh, try yeah. to retain his like beastie you know angry oh, he didn't face. even try like oh, after about God. 30 he seconds he was so like hard. okay i'm done <laughs> you got me like there's no hiding this but uh my mvp for the event um and and Maybe you'll do a spit take when I when when I say this is uh is actually the Miz. I would um, actually agree. I uh, he, well, no, I, I, he, I will he didn't surprise uh, me because yeah. I, th- I didn't think he could do it, but you know, l- let's go back a couple months where he's getting beaten by LA Knight. You know, he's basically fodder, you know, for, for, you know, yeah. the rise of LA Knight. The, but the intensity that he brought to the match. Yeah. No, and, he, I know I'm kind of getting into a little bit of the review here, but I just felt like that was a Miz I haven't seen in a long time. And I thought th- they did a very good job framing the match where it did not seem 
out of place for him to be where he was in that match, taking Gunther down in, at, at some points of it. You know what I mean? Like it, yes. it didn't feel forced. It felt like here's a guy who is actually, you know, hold, you know, holding his own with someone who we all thought would just chop him to bits. You know what I mean? Like Gunther was just oh, yeah. going to run through him like he was nothing. And I, I thought that match was brilliantly booked and, and, and he, he looked, he looked more intense than I think I've ever really, you know, seen him over the past several years. So, uh, you know, so it's, it's, you know, I think it shows a little bit of faith the company has in him to have him elevate someone and mm. then plug him into a program where he actually is elevated a little bit himself. True. Uh, my co MVP, um, again, this is getting to be almost like to, to, to Katie Sackoff <laughs> levels as far as like being to- totally in the bag for them. Uh, Rhea Ripley. Um, oh, gosh. Makes, <laughs> dude, her selling sometimes is unreal. I mean, yeah. she's a powerhouse. She can she can do whatever. She has charisma, just like she has a charisma aura around her that's like six feet around. Like, and and I think Triple H said it best in in the press conference. Like, you know, she just has it because I know that's. I think I've I've said the exact same thing. Like, whatever it is, she has it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in all levels. Like, I mean, my God, the the woman's Instagram following is through the roof. Um, you know, and there's, I saw one video where I was like, oh my gosh, this is like disturbing. So she was in an autograph session and someone asked her to sign this piece of paper. And, and so she signs it at the top and writes, you know, mommy is always on top, of course. And then signs Rhea and then says, I licked right here and puts an arrow. And then she licks the paper there because that's what someone had requested. I'm like, all right. That's Um, funny. Okay, like this is the same level as like rock stars signing people's butt cheeks and stuff. Like this is this is where she's at. Yeah, and I'm sure she's just like this is absurd. (laughs) Did you see in the match her spacer popped out of her ear? No, I didn't. Yeah, there's when she does a suplex on Zoe. I thought at first Zoe had done a move to her, and then I rewatched um yeah uh, on Sunday, and she she it it was a spot in the match. It was the middle of the match where she like really it looked like she kind of brute forced a a suplex with her like i don't know if they messed up the timing or whatever but she you know really looked like she threw it back when she lands you see one of the spacers from her bottom earlobe on her right (laughs) pop out and the ref is like right over there and scoops it up and i mean she just keeps going though i mean but yeah to to your point she she, is when she gets like some of those cells that she has like like getting a kick yeah like there's one where she just got the kick and she crumples Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh my gosh that makes stark look like a million bucks like she just just the headbutt she laid into zoe oh those were great i I, I haven't i haven't seen her do that before but i'm like that's perfect for her that is perfect for that character and who she is oh my gosh and she again she's one of those people who's just like uh so okay so full disclosure we're recording this what november 28th Mm -hmm. and there's uh there's a wwe house show that's happening in portland this coming sunday and i've i thought about getting tickets and i was like "Ah, i don't know if i'm gonna tickets and then someone was announcing today they're like well yeah this is happening cody rhodes is gonna be there seth freaking rollins rhea ripley i'm like oh crap do i really maybe i want to (laughs) be kind of cool to see cody rhodes and and rhea ripley live you know that'd be kind of but anyways um are you going i don't know i haven't made a call yet um but anyways let's, let's get into the event 
if you go buco bonus points, if you can get one of those people to say something about free range idiocy to put into the the the, the lead in for the I'm podcast, I'm not getting a backstage pass, dude. Like, do you think I know people? I don't know anyone. No, they walk by, just say, "Hey, say free range idiocy" or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, get, just get a little. Uh, do you know how much shameless the plugs are to go to be like next I to the know. ramp and the and the ringside area? Thousand dollars. Well, not for a house show, but I mean, the, <laughs> I think the most of the seats were like. Between thirty and fifty dollars, jeez. Which I'm not jeez. I mean, when you think about what concert tickets are these days, yeah, yeah. it's actually not too bad. No, you know? no. And the and Portland's arena Wait, is fifty not, bucks for like front row. Oh no, not front row. That's like that's like you know middling to cheap seats. Okay, but I mean Portland's arena is maybe five six thousand people, so it's not like it's you're that far away. Yeah. So. You know, it's like that would still be really cool. And this is the place where back in the day as a kid, I saw Hulk Hogan and Boss Man wrestle. So it, there's a little bit of nostalgia there for That's me. That's cool. But um, but the the ringside tickets are like 150 to 250, like hmm. just to get just to be next to the ramp and the ring, oh, like that, like the two or three rows around that. So I was like, yeah, no, that ain't happening. Yeah. Anywho, we got to get into this event because we're we're starting to run towards an hour here, sir. Well, so we've already kind of talked about the event a little bit, but we'll, a little uh, bit. But we have to we have to get into our rankings and, and the actual uh, you know show itself. A little bit of adjudication that happens in in these review shows. So let's get into it. First match, uh, we have uh, Damage Control: Oscar Bailey, Io Sky, Kari Sane. Uh, taking on Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, and Shotzi Blackheart. I think they should. She's one of those that that name right there just needs to just go down to Shotzi. Just call her Shotzi. Isn't it and down a, to Shotzi? I don't even remember them saying Blackheart. They just said her her Titantron was like Shotzi. Oh, is it just Shotzi? Okay, maybe that I don't was remember something. them saying the the second part of her name anymore. Okay, all right. Well, anyways, uh, getting into this match, um, why don't you go first? Thoughts on it? Um. I honestly, I mean, if I had to say, I would, I think it, in comparison, because there's only two of these matches, as usual, I'm going to fall on the side of the fact that I think the ladies war games match was better than the men's uh, sort of like the last oh. couple of years. I felt like the, the ladies Royal Rumble was better than the men's Royal Rumble. Um, I think it's I think would it you is say absolutely... it, can I ask this qualifying yeah. question? Would you say yes, it was better from an action or storyline perspective? Um, it's tough for me to say with a storyline perspective because I am not watching the shows regularly. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I know enough of. I'll I talk probably, more about that. Go ahead. I probably know a little bit more about what what the men's stories have been, just because I think we have talked a little bit more about that in terms of Cody yeah. and 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 all that. Um, but I, I felt like the story within the match. And from what I gleaned from, you know, the, the commentators and the, the, the hype package and all that stuff, uh, I thought the story within the match was pretty good. I, I, I dug what they were doing. Um, I got to be honest here, folks. I did not take copious notes as I normally do, so I won't be able to call out individual moves unless uh, the man they call Tim reminds me of them. Um, there's a few that I remember, but really, I'm just kind of going on the overall vibe of each match. Um, a few headlock takeovers here. Uh, but... <laughs> I felt like this was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I still say it is amazing to me how over uh, Becky Lynch is. And and tr- this is not a, a dig on Becky. I, I'm a big fan of Becky Lynch. 
Um, I just think she's she's cool um, and she has it. Um, but man, some of her her offense sometimes looks a real janky, like her her punches mm. are not very good. Um, but uh, but man, it, it just Bianca looks looks so strong in this Charlotte frickin flair, dude. I once again, I say I don't understand how thankfully they have someone like Bianca Belair mm-hmm. um, and they do actually have some, some credible opponents. But when you look at what Charlotte Flair can do yeah, just from a physical wrestling standpoint and how talented she is, it is so, it's so hard to understand like how she just does not permanently have the belt, you know, because yeah. you look at her compared to everyone else. It's like, well, yeah, she should She's just be a vision killer. Yeah. Um, which is tough, but I think they've, they've done some, I mean, granted her taking like six months off at a time has, you know, helped, but, um, <laughs> but she was fantastic in the match. I mean, she, didn't she have one, she had a, a moonsault off the top. Didn't she at one point? Uh, who, who are we talking about? Uh, Charlotte Flair. Charlotte did. Yes. Yes, yeah. she did. Yes, she and then did. of course you had EO sky, like doing the freaking trash can over that, the head. That was insane just because kudos to her for her balance. Oh yeah. As she put that so so for 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 those who didn't watch, EO Sky climbs to the top of the War Games cage, which is a somewhat stable double bar sort of you know, well, it's like it's actually not even a double bar. It's like a truss, so it's like a, a it's, truss. Yeah, it's four, that's a good description. Yeah, four four tubes in a in a square. Like so a she tube. has stability there, but what she ends up doing is she takes a garbage can. Which, by the way, I love how we had our first winch situation where where someone you know clipped a garbage can with with a a, a metal chain that was lame that sun, sun gun up up the uh, side of the cage that was i gotta say that that part was lame, lame. i did not i didn't dig the whole like uh, the whole like erector set version of that <sighs> but the, the payoff is what made that work because at first i'm like if this is just hoisting the garbage can into the ring i'm going to be very upset but the payoff made it worth so, it so EOS guy stands up on this truss. So she's like 15 feet up in the air. Yeah. And she balances herself and then she takes this garbage can and puts it over herself. Mm hmm. And then launches herself off into the ring as like this human, like, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to use this term, you know, uh, in, in this way, but almost like a suicide dive. You know what I mean? Of, 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 you know, well, hurling herself like, toward her opponents and her teammates. It was more of a cross body because she did turn it that was. way. So suicide dive to me has always been like straight out. That, fair. So fair she kind of went fair sideways, enough. which I mean, yeah. thank God she did. And and of course, I'm guessing this was worked out beforehand. It's like, hey, because then we have the max area that we can catch you. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. you aren't going to know where you're throwing yourself. I'm spread that momentum out across all you ladies. <laughs> Hopefully the garbage can gives you a little lift. Yeah. <laughs> Slows you down a little. Jeez, but no, that was insane. That was insane. Um, you know, I thought th- I thought they did a really good job with with that match because, again, like uh, going into it somewhat cold, you know, and just only knowing a little bit here and there, I was able to be like, "Wow, this this works!" Like, I yeah. get I get the story that you're telling, and it's one of those things where I, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, if you need this material and that material, oh, well, you need to understand this. And it's like, well, then you've done a poor job with your movie, your TV show, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't if, if you need the supplemental material. You've, you've lost all your casual fans. Yeah. Sort of like what yeah. Marvel has done. 
or I guess you could say used to do in, in the first phases here, uh, you know, the last couple have been dodgy, but where they don't have the whole backlog of, you don't have to know everything about, you know, Thor. Mm-hmm. They give you just enough that you need and then assume you'll figure the rest out. And then they just tell the story and you figure it out as you go and you figure out about the character as you tell the story. And they did that in this match, like mm-hmm. even going into it mostly cold. I'm like, oh, OK, I, I, I'm catching it as I can. And they're they're doing enough to let me know what's supposed to be happening. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was a really good match. I enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I, I would have rather it been paced differently. The the timing, you know, cut down a little bit to get us to the actual match sooner. Um, but still, I gave it four stars. Um, okay. I was I was very entertained by it. Thought it was great. Uh, those high spots were were fantastic. Um, as I said about the overall thoughts, yeah, weapons a little overkill, but you know this was the first match, so I was okay with it. Yeah, yeah. What about yeah. you, sir? For for me, um, you know, I, I think you know, I I think the match for me action wise um i don't mean to say it was better than the men's match i think the men's match had good action but i think if i were to rate the two matches this one i would might give the nod action wise versus storyline wise i i wasn't as invested into the whole charlotte becky thing and quite honestly i felt that was a little bit overdone you know that like like totally was like the hug they did was just oh yeah that was so like unnatural it was just like so over the top and so yeah, I, I, I feel was just like, like a, I feel like that's a Becky thing. I and God love her. I think she's she's one of the most overperformers in the women's division, and deservedly so. Yeah. She works. She you can tell she works her ass off. Oh yeah, yeah. But she, I, I feel like when the adrenaline gets running, sometimes she just ventures into this goofy area where it's like, no, just dial it back a little bit, whereas, and be a little more real, please. Whereas, okay, so compare that to Randy Orton. Mm. Randy, when he comes back and he gets in the ring and, and, and this is something I, I, I've seen in him in the past, but it really materialized and manifested in this match when he came back was how, how much you can tell his emotions play into what he does. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like when he did that first hanging DDT and he's just like, just, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he boom nails it. I mean, like you can tell he's like, just sucking in the energy from the crowd like he's Mm -hmm. just excited to be back he's overwhelmed he's just letting his emotions kind of drive what he does with becky it was just yeah it was like too much you know what i mean it was just over the top it was handy and it was like okay great you guys made up but it's like you know again i i don't watch the product that closely i don't watch raw and smackdown every week similar to you i I mean i read about it but i don't really watch it Mm. and and i knew this was all about kind of them you know kind of mending fences because there there was legitimate you know heat between the two of them at one point but um but it just was like too much you know and 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 that to me is where the women's match fell short it's like i don't feel like like i felt the storyline part hasn't played out yet because i think this served as a you know, kind of a chapter in a longer story about damage control, ultimately moving Bailey out. Yeah. And I think they did. And I'd, I'd read a little bit about that when I kind of did a, I think it was, I can't remember what website. I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Yeah. Um, but I felt like, you know, I read something about that and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Um, 
And I thought she's they did saving a- them all from pinfalls. Oh no! And, th- and then that- she's taking a finisher, which that didn't come off real great, to be honest with you. Like that spear was kind of weak looking. Oh, totally. Know? But it, they- the timing was off. But anyway. but she she making her the person who makes everyone look good, and then yeah, it sets her totally up for a face turn. Yeah. Because yeah, she's you know she's definitely she was the strong link in that in that match. Um, but but yet she was the one that got pinned. So now I can yeah. see how the others are going to look at her and be like, "You're mm-hmm. done. You're you're the weak link in all of this." Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like even even with the minimal information I had, I'm like, "Oh, this totally makes a lot of sense." And yeah. and even if you're just catching on to that, and then you watch the next couple TVs, you might be like, "Oh, well, how? Oh, wow, that's rotten. They should no. Hey, Bailey, yay, damage right. control. Ooh, like that's and that's what you want." Yeah. Yeah. No, I I thought it was a I thought it was a good match overall. What'd you give it, sir? Uh so I gave it uh, four and a half stars. Ooh, you're like and just looking at your scores here, you are like feeling it's like the Christmas season. You're very generous here. Well, I, I will say. I felt like the quality of the matches was was good though. You know, like I, oh, I didn't okay. feel like there was a stinker of a match here. Like I felt like you know, as much as we talk about how the build up to the war games match, you know, once all the all the team members are are, are freed from the cage and the match kind of officially starts, mm-hmm. um, I felt like the action was good. Um, you know, Kari Zane I thought was interesting with, you know, she kind of pulls out that kind of oversized like you know a garbage can lid, but man, like those back those spinning back whacks that she does with that were like. I mean, that was kind of cool. You know, oh, I, yeah, like, no, I, totally. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, I, I like there was a point in the match where they brought out the kendo sticks and were just whooping on, you know, some of the face team team members. I don't remember which ones were in there, um, but just just whooping on them. Mm-hmm. But but again, that kind of goes to the flatness of the consequence, which is like, great, they did that. But that that didn't do anything to that team member. They were still active in the match. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Like. So, so that co- kind of goes back to how they kind of use the match overall, and mm-hmm. and I think it, it'd be you know interesting to go with kind of that elimination concept. Yeah, I um, like the fact that they've incorporated war games into this. I think it's it's. I th- I think you're correct. It's due for an evolution, and yeah. and and a a hybrid of the two. I think is a great way to go. And Bel Air was like insane. I mean, she she comes oh, in with those. Oh my gosh! Just whipping them with that with, with the hair. Yeah, um, she is again another one of those performers who it's like, it, it it it's tough when you have it's tough when you have Rhea, Charlotte, and Bianca, and Oscar, and Oscar between Asuka those incredible. four, who realistically is going to beat them? Yeah. Even in a, even when you're talking kayfabe, like within the context of like professional wrestling, it's tough to find believable opponents. Yep, you know, credible opponents who can yep. take them down. Yeah, because they're all they're all just like so physically imposing, and they're incredible workers. That's yeah. the other thing. They're just not like they are not of the um, oh, what's her face? She injures everybody. Oh, uh, Nia Jax. Yes. Naya fracking jacks not like just hey she's big and you know she hurts everyone <laughs> legitimately um it, it, like they can actually work mm-hmm. you know and 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 make things believable as opposed to just like well i'm big and imposing therefore you should fear me well, right. not really because right. your offense looks like like crap <laughs> and your your attitude is like lacking and you and you lack any kind of actual charisma so yeah. no uh, 
The only other notes I have on the match was uh, when Kari came into the match, I thought her march to the ring was rather disturbing. Oh, that was and that's and that's the other thing with it was this weird. Uh, yeah, that was that was the uh, it was a skip. It was like a march skip. Yeah, it, that is it, a problem with with these with these entrances. Anyways, is yeah. the fact that like. In the situations where a teammate is getting their ass kicked, it goes back to like, I, I forget what the pay-per-view was, but it was like, there was an ECW pay-per-view where it was like Sandman was supposed to be someone's partner and didn't show up till like halfway through the match. Mm-hmm. And even though his partner is getting their their ass just handed to them in the ring, Sandman does his full like five minute entrance. <laughs> before going and they're continuing to beat the hell out of his partner and he's right. still doing the beer and the kendo stick and the you know eggs and everyone, everyone's oh singing gosh. along to it. it takes like his sweet ass time getting to the ring and that's what yeah. it felt like a couple times like it's like your partner is getting killed in there and they're right. just like sort of moseying down the down the ramp like get a move on son or- you you aren't Roman Reigns. It's it's that yeah, old wrestling Roman. trope of when when the popular babyface is getting the crap kicked out of him. Why is no one running down to help him? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, anyways, just to move things along here. Uh, yes, oh, the, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, was I, I love the whole idea. And it was funny how they had to kind of restack the chairs. But there was a spot where Kari Zane uh, saying drops a elbow onto a stack of chairs on top of one of the, uh, face team members. And it, it, it was just, I, I thought that was hysterical because she didn't, she didn't flinch afterwards, you know, like, like normally there's a little bit of selling that happens after that, but no, she, she was, she was just loving it. Um, but o- overall I thought it was a strong opener. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. four and a half stars is what I would give it. Um, I, I think my main gripes with it was, I felt like some of the action was, not as fluid as it could have been. It felt a little stilted. And like I mentioned, there was that one spot where Bailey is supposed to take the finisher and it just, it felt like their, their timing was off a little bit. So it just kind of took something out of the match for me. So, yeah. but overall I thought it was, I thought it was a strong one. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a strong one. Uh, next match was uh, Gunther. Well, wait a minute. Why are we, are we going to talk about the big return of the night? Oh, excuse me. I, I didn't have that in my notes, but I do I have love, it in the uh, table. I love how Triple H phrased that in the post the press conference after. Oh, well, let's talk about the return that everyone's talking about that everyone's been waiting for. Our truth is back home. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I was like, oh, damn you, Paul. You're good. You son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> no, that was fantastic. Because I, I was watching that segment and I'm like, this is so stupid i can't believe our truth and then i'm like oh now this is now this is wonderful yes because our truth can make anything good yes <laughs> i mean otis was doing doing good but uh, yeah yeah who, was, whoever those those uh those two uh you know long-haired guys yeah. were because were, again i i don't follow the product weekly so i'm not up on who they are but i was Which like is weird, heck because it's on alpha academy heels uh no i i think I think when Chad, well, I think they turned face a little bit ago, but Chad Gable, okay. when he had his matches with Gunther, um, he actually became more of a baby face the way they okay. played it up. And so I think the whole group has since become that. So they're, they're okay. a little bit of a, a comedy act, but uh, but also kind of an over baby face act. Okay. But yes, R-Truth came back with the ruffles, with the it ruffles. So good. How long have you been here? I've been here all along. <laughs> I'm like, what, in Chicago? Yeah, 495, 24, like- 32, 7. 
That would be the best thing ever if that was just explained. Like, no, he's actually been touring around with WWE and just hiding out backstage for several years now. No one's noticed. And like Paul Rudd, our truth doesn't age. The man oh looks exactly God. the same. I know it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. Like if Paul Rudd and our truth have have paintings of them aging in a, in an attic somewhere next to each other. It's crazy, man. That's actually that would be that would be awesome. Is if you could get that for WrestleMania, just the two of them, just like sitting there toasting like a glass of wine. Like, yep. ah, isn't it good? No one's figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Can we get great. that to happen? Pretty please. That would be great. All right. Uh, moving on to the next match. Uh, Gunther, the ring general, uh, <laughs> uh, defending his Intercontinental Championship against The Miz. And we kind mm-hmm. of already talked about, you know, a little bit of this with, with The Miz's performance. I was... Uh, I, I was really impressed um, with the stiffness of the match, or at least what appeared to be the stiffness of the match. I mean, there, there were just nice, brutal shots back and forth. Mm. Um, the chops were just ridiculous. I mean, Miz threw some strong chops, but man, when Gunther just lays in oh, yeah. on, on, on the chest like that, you're just yeah. like, good God almighty. He sounds like he's been shot for crying out loud. Yeah. Um, but the intensity that the Miz brought, you know, working on the knee, doing the Bret Hart figure four on the pole. Oh yeah, that was uh, nice. The 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 ring pole was such like a, a cool lot of combat. actually like really solid technical wrestling. Yes, which I was not expecting from the Miz. And I'm granted, I don't know that much about the dude's career, but I was like, oh okay, we're we're heading and, this direction. And I think that was part of the story they were telling because part of what what where Gunther's lack of respect for the Miz was was around him being more of an entertainer than a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And and in thinking about it after the fact, it's like this makes perfect sense. That the guy who's viewed as the entertainer comes out in his wrestling a very you know kind of Bret Hart technical wrestler sort of match where he's going after the leg and he's you know he's being methodical about what he's doing um you know I thought it was a great move you know where where you know he grabs the uh the the turnbuckle pad and it comes loose and he uses Mm. that as an opportunity to do some of his heel shtick well I I did appreciate that the fact that like Miz was still kind of Miz Yes. Yes. You know, like even yes. though he's the baby face, like, and then they had to go back into the replay. Well, I think that first one was a kick to the knee. That yep. second one was definitely not to the knee. <laughs> that, that second one was right on the money. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. That was fantastic. And you know what? I will. I will say. I got to give some. Uh, before I forget, I got to give some credit to Michael Cole mm. and Corey Graves. I actually thought their commentary was really good. This for this event yes like i i am not a michael cole fan Mm -hmm. really but he was not he did not irritate the living crap out of me and Corey graves didn't either because he can kind of get on my nerves too yeah but i thought they did fantastic like almost in old school jim ross way of like they got everyone over yeah 100 percent without like drawing tons and tons and tons of attention to themselves i thought it was it was a great performance by those two Yep. Um, last thing I'll say about about the match, and and this is one of the things that I'm I'm really appreciating about, and thank and am thankful that the company is giving him the flexibility to do this because I, I honestly I don't think this happens in the Vince era because of the way Vince was. I love the fact of how Gunther won the match. Um, I like that he didn't use his standard finisher. I like that he tried to use a submission hold that Miz got out of, and then he modifies it into mm. a lion tamer slash just modified Boston crab yeah. to put him like, 
those are the kind of details and and maybe this is me as as an older longtime wrestling fan but like that attention to detail i i really geek out about like i i think that to me builds a lot of of um cachet and 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 builds rapport with with the crowd because he isn't someone who has you know the john cena five moves of doom you know what Mm -hmm. i mean he's someone who is dangerous because he will put you away in different ways and yes and it works because they don't do that with everyone. Like, mm-hmm. like if they did that with everyone, of course, it wouldn't feel unique. It wouldn't feel special. But he is, you know, the, the way he brands himself as the ring general has to have some of that there to kind of underscore that moniker and, and underscore that tone to his character. And I thought that finish was just phenomenal where oh, it was great. Miz breaks out of it pulls him right back, but throws the knee into the back, really arcs up and, and, and throws this Boston crab that was just vicious looking. Oh, it looked like, uh, I was like, how do you not yes. make that painful? And you understand why he taps out. I mean, it's oh, not yeah. like, oh, the Miz wimped out. It's like, yeah, he's freaking contorted at this point. What are you yeah. going to do? So. No, and that's an excellent point. I, I hadn't thought of it in that way, but yeah, it really does play into that ring general aspect and, and yep. the way that I hope that they do more of that with him where and continue to, to do that where it's like this dude could be. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> what was a spider? <laughs> Is this going to be a thing every week now? <laughs> oh, man. Kalen two, Uncle Todd zero. <laughs> no, no, it's it's one one. I caught her last week. She got me this time. I I just I about passed out. Uh, if if I may quote our truth, you done got God. <laughs> I did. I done got God. That's true. Okay. Shouldn't you have been in bed about an hour ago? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, you're. You, uh, okay, good night. Go to bed. <laughs> good job, Kalen. Well done. Well done. <sighs> good night. Uncle oh, Todd now needs to have a uh, you know a, a, a little bit of the shocky shock to the chest. <laughs> Get him going again. I need a sedative. Um, for the listeners, his daughter kind of snuck up and scared the bejesums out of him, and it was hysterical. I thought a spider had somehow crawled across or, or scared him, but no, no, he 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 had gotten got at this point. Down here so. in the Blair Witch basement. Um, <laughs> what the hell was I talking about before my heart rate went up to about 130 BPM? Uh, Gunther and and the masterful job of being. Uh, the oh yeah, general. no, I I th- I hope they continue to do this as of as like this is a guy who can put you away in any which way that he he wants to and is yeah. not shy about like well it doesn't have to be this way like I will right. beat you however I can yep and I'm not picky about it as long as I get the win yep. And I, yeah. I think that's a great way to go. And and this is the one, that, like, it's not that when I said before that, you know, you have both of the champs retain. It's not like I thought either of them should have lost. I actually, um, I, I checked out the, the WWE subreddit on Reddit the other day, mm. uh, which is very interesting. So now, of course, that's showing up every so often in my suggestions on the on the app. And someone was like, oh, yeah, I think that I think they should have had the Miz uh, win the belt from Gunther. I'm like, no. OK, you're on crack. Um, Not at all. No, Gunther should have win. should have won. I think both Gunther and, and Rhea should have retained. No, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I think it'll be interesting to see 
I, I would have liked to have seen in the press conference because someone had asked about you know when he was going to focus on the on a world championship. Yeah. And I thought he missed an opportunity there because mm. he kind of was like, well, I'm not worried about that. I'm just, you know, I would have preferred for him to have grabbed the, the, the IC belt and literally just held it up and like, this is my championship. Yeah. Yep. And this is the real championship for real wrestlers. Mm. I would have loved to have seen that because then you can you can have some friction and it, it sows the seeds for when he's going to move up. Yep. But it also elevates that belt as he continues to hold it and just like this is the belt for wrestling. Yeah. And continues like what that what he's doing. I felt like that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. In that press conference. I felt like that could have really generated some heat down the road. But, but I will say all of this does a really nice job. And again, this is where, you know, we did an episode on this where I think Triple H being in in charge of creative now, you're you're seeing all these different you know, vines of stories being told where when he does get to that point of challenging for the world title and, and, and will win, I think he's going to be the guy they put the world title on as this monster heel for a long time. Not I like think Roman he's going to be the first guy to hang, to hold both belts. I think that they're, I don't think they're going to take the IC championship off him. I would actually rather they not take the IC great. championship off of him. Yeah. I yep. mean, cause the only the one that comes to my mind, of course, is Ultimate Warrior. But I mean, I know it's got to have happened before. Well, Seth Rollins now did it briefly. He he was, I think, the Universal Champion and the U.S. Champion for like a two month period. Okay, and I was actively defending both of those championships. I wouldn't mind seeing that because I think that I think that could be an interesting line for this guy. Um, but um, no, I thought I, I thought it was a, it was a really solid match. I think he's a solid character going forward, yep. and and this is what needed to happen. And, uh, and to your point, if this is back <laughs> when Vince has control, Miz gets his gets his ninth IC reign to tie Chris Jericho, mm. and you know, and 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 we go on our merry way that way. Yep. yep. Under Triple H, I think no, we we stick with this and we continue yeah. building. Um. So no, I. I I, I give this one. Um, let me see where where am I at here? I, I give this one. I gave it four stars. I, I'll throw mine out there first. I gave it four stars. I thought it was a solid match, above average. Uh, Miz was at a different level. Gunther was at his usual level, but just I, I love that finish. So I, I got to go four on that one. I'm going to go four out of five stars myself. I, I agree. It was it was a well well done match, well executed. Front to front to back, totally. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, next match, we kind of talked about this one a little bit. Uh, Dragon Lee versus Santos Escobar. This was Dragon Lee uh, stepping in for Carlito, who was, who was stepping to take... in for Rey Mysterio, wasn't he? It was like, well, <laughs> yeah. There's kind of two levels of substitution here. Rey Mysterio is uh, is is injured right now, uh, and so we had Carlito, and then he got injured. So now we have Dragon Lee, who's basically like third string in the LWO. Apparently, you remember? Uh, you remember? Um, uh, Parks and Rec, where they would do the NPR segments. He's like, my name is Jim Forrester, filling in for so-and-so, filling in, who's filling in for so-and-so, who's filling in for, like, four people, like, down the line, who, nice. had, you know, this person had been filling in for this person, this person, and so I'm filling in for the fourth fill-in, you nice. know, that's, nice. what, that's what this felt like, because, I mean, they, they kind of even acknowledge it, and the press conference afterwards, I remember Triple H talking about how, you know, yeah. someone had asked about the protocol and all that, he's like, well, you just kind of go on with it. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, very, very interesting lineage to this match. Uh, uh for something but, that didn't have a time ton of time to cook. No, and, and as and as we talked about, I mean this this was a heel building match for for Escobar. Um mm-hmm. who uh, might I add, and and I think they showed some of the, the, the video leading up to this. Escobar is doing a really great job of of being this sort of maligned victim of you know, kind of twisting things into Mysterio being really the bad guy and he's really the good guy and he only wanted good things. And and it, it was just the, the way they're telling the story is really well done. Um, but this was just a heel building match. I mean, there was a great yeah. back and forth between the two of them. Um, you know, you talked about the commentary. Graves had a great line in here somewhere where he talks about um, – yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think he's passing judgment on Ray Mysterio being a bad father and saying, I, I should know I have more kids than Mysterio does. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so that was great. I remember that now. Yeah. That was such like a Bobby Heenan or Jerry Lawler line. Oh, right totally. there. You know what I mean? It was like, it was oh. so well done by Graves. If, if Graves, if Graves keeps this up, if he could just, uh, he could, uh, I, I don't think he's ever going to quite reach Heenan level, but he's, he, he could trend in that direction because he's oh, yeah. clever enough. He's clever enough. Absolutely. Um, I just don't know if he can give up. I don't know if he can give up being like, there's something about him that's just too like, I'm just cool. And he didn't never worried about being cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I love the heel maneuver of Escobar trying to rip off Lee's mask in the middle yes. of the match. Yep. Um, and then dragging him like, like yes. trying to take it off, but then just utterly just like giving up and kind of dragging him by it. I'm like, holy yes. crap. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. Um, and then uh, Lee had a great move where he was going to do a power bomb on Escobar, and he had to like adjust. And the way he mm. kind of like, uh, like it looked like it was just like brute force where he was bringing him up again. Yeah, to to land it was was phenomenal. I, I love the and I call it a double finisher. I I know it'll probably be like argued that that wasn't the case, but that it, the original move was called the Canadian Destroyer. I know Michael Cole or Graves called it the. Um, south of the border destroyer or something like that but that, yeah. that flippy move he did where it turns into a pile driver um that move and then going into that phantom driver that he does that was just sick like mm. i i love that they kind of showcase that with him and and they need to do that they got to sell him as a threat because i think this is all going to build to a wrestlemania match between him and mysterio i think I when think i like see this oh. over a play out over like four months or something like that you know leading up to the big event yeah and i like the fact that they they did lean into the fact like you know this is a guy who came out of the luchador tradition yes he's yep. just not wrestling a, a, a luchador style and yep. i like how they they set that up but yet there were times when he did slip into that style showing mm. like oh i can do this stuff i just don't want to Right, you know, right. so I did appreciate that. That felt that felt good. And Dragon Lee is, it seems like he's a fracking incredible athlete. Yes, never never saw that guy before that night. And I was like, when he came down, I'm like, all right, who, I don't know who this dude is from a hole in the ground. And then the match started. I'm like, oh, kid can go. All right, I mean, it's it, it was a solid it was a solid match from the get go. Yes, it, it but its intent was served it was meant to elevate mm-hmm. escobar dragon lee i don't think feel like lost anything to your to your point oh, i think he had a very no. strong showing yeah and this was just a escobar was the better man and and you know and he didn't cheat either like he he just looked vicious in what he did yes and and that's what they got to do with him is is make him uh, look strong so you know not quite a 4-0 match for me i, I put this at three five so so I, I did three and a half stars on this one I, what were your thoughts 
I'm going to go three stars. Um, uh-huh. I mean, because it, it, as good as the match was, uh, actually, you know what? No, it, it, there's more than that. I'm going to I'm going to go with you three three and a half stars. All right. Um, All right. It, it's not. It wasn't match of the night. It was very no. good for what it was, and it yeah. had it had uh, from what I could see, not a whole lot of buildup. But I mean, you're on your third option. Uh, so yeah. you know, what are you going to do for for that? I mean, given given those circumstances, that's pretty damn good. Um, and, and yeah, and like you said, it, it it was another match with a foregone conclusion. Essentially, there yeah. was no way this kid was upsetting Escobar. So you knew how it went, but they still managed to tell a good story and entertain you throughout, even though you know that this is going to turn out a certain way. Yeah. So yeah, three and a half stars. It was it was an entertaining match. I enjoyed it. Nice. Uh, next match was kind of a similar ilk because I mm-hmm. don't know that, and, and and this is, I don't know if we should, like like if the right way to put this is this is the blessing and curse of Rhea, but you know Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark for the for the WWE Women's World Championship. Can't honestly say I was thinking Zoe was going to come out winning this one. You know oh hell mean? no, no! no. This, it was absolutely the Miz had a better chance. Yes, and it's it's one of those deals. Like it makes me think back to um to Mick Foley when you know he was talking about he was wrestling. Uh, I forget who he was wrestling. He was wrestling like a championship match, and he was joking with Arn Anderson backstage mm. in WCW. He's like, he's like, well, maybe there'll be a new champ tonight, and he says, and Arn said in his imitable way, Jack. If that man has a heart attack and dies in the middle of the ring, you will roll him on top of you for the pin. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't no way under any circumstances you're walking out with a belt. I am double A and all that implies. (laughs) Same sort of thing here. Like Ripley is going over even if she is completely unconscious. It doesn't matter. You will find a way to roll her on top of you for the pin. That's it. hysterical. Um, yeah, but but at the same time, again, like they they told a good story through the match. It was mm-hmm. entertaining, and and part of that had to do with the fact. I, I think Zoe Stark is is gonna be a real asset to WWE. I feel like she's she's not green as grass, but she she she's definitely not well seasoned, you know, no. and def- and then definitely hasn't quite found herself. Um, as a performer, I don't think fully, but I mean, no shame in that. There's a whole bunch of people out there still, you know, who, who've gone through years of careers in any sport and not really found out who they are yet, you know, yeah. before they kind of get into, come into themselves. Um, that's, from, that, from, I think that's the thing I struggle with, with her is like, I don't, I don't get her character or, no. or, or, or I don't connect with what she's like when Rhea comes down the aisle. When Charlotte comes down the aisle, when Becky comes down the aisle, there there's something you connect with there. When you know Zoe, it's just you know she was with Trish, you know Trish Stratus for a while, and mm-hmm. then um, you know she she separates from her, and it's like what what is there? You know what I mean? Like like I, I don't feel like there's a well fleshed out character there. No, there isn't. And but that's but you also it's interesting you brought up those three those three ladies. Becky Lynch was dancing jigs. Yeah. You know, uh, Charlotte Flair was, you know, was Ric Flair's daughter. Yeah. For how long? Um, Rhea Ripley was kind of a vanilla baby face when she started out in NXT. And, yep. you know, has really hit her stride, even though I would say she was she was already 
she was already a star mm-hmm. when she hit the main roster, even before Judgment Day. Since Judgment Day, I mean, good God, she's in another stratosphere. Like yeah. there, that is rarefied air for any. She is in the in the China level stratosphere where it's it is legit to talk about her possibly taking on some of the guys simply to not bury the entire women's division. Yeah. It's not unrealistic. You know, and they've already had her go toe to toe with several of the of the male wrestlers. And you look at it and it's like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, I, okay. Sure. That uh, that'd be interesting. And it's not um, a size thing with with Stark. It's just that you know, because she is smaller, but but at the same time, it's just there. There's something lacking. You know, like like just well, yeah, she character wise to connect with. You know, yeah, she hasn't really latched on to that thing that is going to enable her. She hasn't found that way to bring out who she is and and amp it up to eleven, yeah. like the best performers do. Um, or to find that thing that really connects with people. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, it, it, it'll take some time. And I, I have a feeling that without, you know, that with the current creative team, that that will probably happen. Because I, th- I can see some I can see some high points there. You know, I can see some potential there for sure. It's yeah. not like looking at uh, it's not like looking at some of the performers and you go, I don't quite get this. Yeah. Um, and I hate to say it, but I kind of feel that way about Shotzi. I, I'm just, I don't really understand what's going on with her. Um, or even some of the guys in the, you know, honestly, I mean, at this point, I don't even really know what's going on with Roman Reigns. Um, and I've, I've kind of been on that train for the last few things that we've reviewed, but you know, it's one thing if you're, if you're green and you're, you're new to the business, it's another thing when you've been there for a while and Mm -hmm. you know, you're kind of at that malaise portion yeah <laughs> of your yeah. character like at least she's starting out so you can at least blame it on that i'll, I'll yeah. give her that but i mean I, I mean a lot of this match i think came off of the fact that just Rhea's selling for her made her look so good to your point like stark did a ddt on the apron and i think most of the nastiness of that was due to Rhea and the way she sold it like oh totally like zoe w- looked very awkward in the way she kind of landed mm-hmm. but like Rhea just, I mean, she like sold that thing like a champ. It was yeah. incredible. Like she went like full vertical with her feet up in the air and then came, mm-hmm. then came down afterwards. I mean, she threw herself into it. So to your point with her selling, I mean, her selling is just top notch. Oh yeah. And she does it selectively. Like there's a couple yeah. times, she does it a couple times during the match and does it with like legit shots that you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. okay. You know, almost like um, a little bit, I would put it on the same you know, the in the in the recent past, when Taker showed up on NXT and Braun Breaker sold that punch from him, mm. where first you saw in his eye, like Taker, like, "Damn, I'm good." <laughs> and then, <laughs> then, then remembering, still like, "Still got it." <laughs> oh, wait a minute, he he just sold the living crap out of that. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> but it's oh, that same man. sort of thing. Like, it just that that thing can can make or break. It, uh, there was a there was a way oh my gosh going the way back machine because this was back like tough enough wasn't it uh when triple h was like like working with some of the guys in the ring and he had him go in and sell a punch and one yeah. of the guys he's like he's like if you sold like that for me in a in a in a at a, an event i'd tag you for real yep that sort of yep. thing like that is that is such a a big part of it and she does that well and does it judiciously yeah so that it's not like she's just flying around for everybody but she will pick those times in a match be like whoa okay 
to give the to give the opponent the appearance of like wow they they might be in this thing yeah and then she just completely <laughs> buries them but you know hey that's what that's what we're there for right you know right um yeah no she she looked fan friggin' tastic dude and uh, you know uh, that match to me was was a, just another example of of how good of a, of a performer she is and, yeah. and why i'm like yeah oh yeah sure show up with like half of the joker makeup <laughs> the heath leather joker makeup and like these weird chaps that it looks like you borrowed from Shawn michaels um and then the the gateway cow uh ring boots uh and then the weird like sort of like pin up which like Graves noted was uh, the same as Dom. So yes. like I that, that graded on me a little bit. He's like, "Hey, she's wearing the same boots as Dom." It's like, "Oh, that could have done without that, sir." But you but you Don't do care. that and then you've got like this uh, just like you know, she can make all of that work. Yeah. <laughs> and and yep. people are just like, "She's awesome." And I was like, "All right, you know, you're 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 walking on water at this point yeah. in wrestling terms. There's very little that you can do wrong." Um uh, and especially, I've, I love that now that we've seen the video of uh, at the end of the show, her flipping off a certain returning somebody. Uh, I thought that was priceless. Yes. Because it just fits her character so much. And yes. I'm like, you know, go on with your bad self. Get your heat. Go ahead. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so for this one, I, I, I've, I gave this one um, uh, four stars. Really? Oh yeah, no. This is a wow. I, Talk about generous. With I, I gave this one three five. I and mostly because of Rhea, to be honest. Like, oh yeah, and that's the same thing. Like I, I that's three of those stars are hers, all all, right. all by all by their lonesome. All and, right. and I give Zoe one because I, I think she did a fair good job of acquitting herself. Of you know, oh yeah, yeah. She she looks strong in defeat, yeah. but but again, I I think what she's lacking is just that that connection with. Uh, with the audience in terms oh, of totally. who she is. Yeah. But this is a, this was a good stepping stone, you know, mm-hmm. getting, getting your ass kicked by Rhea Ripley. There's, there's worse ways to, you know, and getting no your ass kicked, in but in a, but in a fair, also getting in your licks, like there's a, there's a worse way to, to go through an event. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, last match, uh, the men's war games match with, uh, Drew McIntyre, Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, Finn Balor, and J.D. McDonough uh, of the Judgment Day, taking on Cody Rhodes, main event Jey Uso, yeet, uh, Randy Orton. What is that anyways? When did I miss the yeet thing? How did that happen? It started at some point. (sighs) It's become a thing. Um, Randy Orton, Sami Zayn, and Seth Rollins. Uh, I'm sorry. sorry. Who was that? What was that last one? Seth Rollins. Freaking Rollins. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Randy Orton, of course, uh, over the course of the night, and this is where I felt like WWE was playing with fire a little bit, was uh, teasing that Randy wasn't, uh, no one no one saw Randy backstage. Yeah. Uh, to which, of course, we got some CM Punk chants, which it's mm-hmm. just like, God, do you really want to play with that or <laughs> or not? But they did. It didn't blow up in their face, uh, which we'll get into shortly after. Um, but uh, yeah, thoughts on this match, sir? Because I, I, I felt this, you know, much like last year, I felt the men's match had the better storyline going for it. Um, and the action was good. Yeah. But um, there was like a lot of good storytelling around what was going to be Randy's reaction with Jay, because Jay, whether you like, I don't know if you were aware of this or not, but Jay was very key in, in essentially screwing up Randy, uh, I think taking out Roman. 
mm-hmm. um, much like he's done with with others when he was part of the bloodline. Um, you have the ongoing storyline between Judgment Day, Cody, and Seth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and then Sami Zayn as well. So there, there was just a lot there from a story perspective that I thought was maybe lacking a little bit from the women's match. But what, what were your thoughts, sir? Uh, MVP or MVP of this match goes to um, Seth Rollins uh, jacket um, <laughs> like wearing a couch cover apparently uh, as, a, as a coat which was interesting yes. Um, yes I thought it was very interesting so I was watching this I, I had to watch this in a couple of segments and when I was watching this part my wife happened to be in the living room and she looked up in time to see Sami Zayn making his entrance. And she's like, what's going on with that guy? He he doesn't look like any of the other wrestlers. I'm like, I know, but he is so over with everybody. It's amazing. Like he he doesn't look like he's ever been to the gym at all. Like he doesn't even look like he's ever walked past the gym. Like he looks like he goes out of his way to avoid the gym at the hot, at the hotel that only has like two dumbbells and a Stairmaster. (laughs) (laughs) But he is so freaking over. You wouldn't even believe it. Um, but I thought that was just hilarious that yeah. like the, the same thought that I had had like many times watching him, that that was the first thing. Like she perked up as, as, as she just happens to look up at the TV, like who the hell is that guy? Yeah. Yeah. What's that up is, that's Sammy Zane, dear. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought the match was good. I, I agree. The stories are, stories are pretty good. Um, Oh, there's that it, sigh. It's just the fact that, um, you know, you have the, oh, where's Randy sort of thing. I felt that was a little, I don't know. It felt a little overdone because there's no way he's not showing up. It was right. such a foregone conclusion. Um, and then again, it, it, it suffered to me being the second War Games match because it was very similar in terms of the the time that the weaponry came out mm-hmm. and the order in which the weaponry came out and how it was used and all of like that all that felt very similar to the women's match mm-hmm. which i mean hey it, it, you take them individually and maybe it would have been all right but if it, by being the second match i mean Okay, so we're just carbon copying. Like, what what's going on here? I like Damian Priest bringing out whatever that baton slash shish kebab was that he well, had, he was wielding. That yeah, was kind the, of funny. The, the Tanya Harding special, yeah. <laughs> and so that was great, except yes. And here's the problem with all the weaponry. Okay, because he came out and whooped ass with that mm-hmm. and threw it down, and nobody ever picked it up again. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really get a good shot of him of of him getting it or or taking it out of his trunks or wh- wherever he had it hidden or secreted um you know i mean i don't know maybe he had it in the prison wallet i don't know in that case i'm glad i didn't see him take it out um but I, I, it's like okay you didn't show me where it came from and then it only gets used to like hit three guys and then nobody bothers to ever pick it up again that's the problem in a lot of these matches and specifically in the men's war game match mm-hmm. like someone would use a weapon and then it was almost like a video game where it once you throw it down it disappears mm. for their intents and purposes it it just wasn't visible anymore like very yeah. so that baton was sitting there the the pipe that Sami Zayn ripped off of the corner of the cage that was so obviously like just tacked there mm. for him to do that he used it, and then nobody else uses it. Yeah, 
Like yeah. that to me is the is the the downfall of that second match having so many weapons and and following a similar thing. Like like, like I said before, if you're gonna make it, if you're gonna have any weapons, make it special. Have it be Cody Rhodes with the bull bull rope. It's you know Cody's in the match. The daddy made you know baby. He's he's a <laughs> the American nightmares in the American dreams match for the first time ever. Baby, he got the bull rope. He gonna let he gonna get funky real bad with you. I love the fact that Cody said to Seth, "This isn't for you." Yeah, <laughs> like at one point he's like, "This isn't for you. This is for them." Yeah, <laughs> and I was, but it's like. You know, it it just it became just a mishmash of yeah. weaponry and all that. There were mm. cool moments, but again, then it felt like you're trying to recreate moments, like the the yeah. moment when everyone had the, did the drop DDT with Randy Orton. Okay, well, we saw this last year where everyone did the the ten beats of the Bowdren or whatever with with you know from Sheamus, like same sort of thing. But visual, I, I, I mean, I visually, I hear, no, I mean, it's a I great hear what visual, you're saying, but visually visual. that was really cool that they did that. It was really cool. But again, it's one of those moments where if you've watched it and you remember, then you're like, Oh, okay. And it takes away, like, like you're saying, like there, it should be kind of, I don't know. It just made it less interesting for me. Mm. And those are the thing. And, and granted, I'm. I mean, it's. It wasn't a terrible match. I'm picking nits here. Sure. I, okay? I mean, clearly, when Orton came in, there there was a change. Oh my gosh! And and in freaking, the overall pace of the yes. match, and yeah. and it clearly swung to to the babyface team. You know what I mean? Like like there as it there should. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And freaking Orton, dude. I don't know. I I've I I've again. I don't. I can't remember him. I didn't look any pictures or anything, but dude, is that guy freaking carved out of stone right now or what? Yep. Like it reminds me of like, again, Mick Foley when he was like, you know, when I came back from injury, I at least had the, had the respect to look like crap. Everyone else comes back from injury and they look like they've been at the gym and all this. <laughs> I came back and I looked terrible. <laughs> like I had been injured and laid up. Um, Randy I looks like he part. looks like he's on his like you know cut heading towards the Mister Universe competition. Like that dude, it, it was believable as a as a freaking wrecking ball. Like he just looked like people would be bouncing yeah. off of him. Yeah. Um. And so it worked in that sense. Um. The JD, uh, what's his face there? JD, JD McDonough. Mc- I don't know who the hell that guy is, but he just he, he just it's like it's like someone took an oompa loompa and stretched him. I don't know what the hell's <laughs> up with that. He's just disturbs me um uh, <laughs> man if that isn't a bobby heenan description right there <laughs> i i do appreciate how how like dominic mysterio just gets so, gets heat so much and he and he does it by being such a punk and just like a little little like but, like wimpy punk like he comes in and he just like he he, he like bushwhacks everybody and then yes. runs and i'm like he's a house of fire with everyone and then he gets surrounded and then he gets his tail kicked which yes. i thought was just brilliantly done and oh that was beautiful. looked wonderful that was beautiful that so, was amazing now here is one thing that i will that i i think speaks to what you were talking about with the 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 problem with war games and mm. the, the and how it needs to be changed because to me it was especially egregious in this match where you, you know oh well they've got the advantage and the, so the the heel team had the had the face team down and it was like one on five or something like that mm. and you know everyone else is like you know unconscious and you know comatose and maimed and all this and then within 10 seconds, they're all up like they're fine. Yeah. Yep. And that is the problem because there's 
what are the stakes? Like you just beat the hell out of these people and they got up like, you know, they just got a, you know, in a video game, like they just hit a little medikit and they're, oh, I'm fine now. I'm back to 100% health like, within like seconds. One and, missed opportunity I thought they had yeah. was I thought it would have been a compelling story for McIntyre to just be all over Jey Uso the entire match. Like everyone else mm-hmm. be damned. He's just after Jey Uso. Yeah. Like tell that story because everything leading up to it was, oh, he's really mad at Jey Uso. And then he's like fighting everyone but Jey Uso. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. that's what I want to see out of it is have him just go after Uso and just beat the living hell out of him. Yeah. Especially if you're going to make him like as maniacally focused as you're building right. him up to be. Totally. That makes sense. That's why he's in this match. That, that was the one reason he came into this match is he wants to exact punishment and vengeance on Jey Uso because he feels wronged by him. And it, and to some extent he did, but it was very short lived. It was it was just a little sliver of the match. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, something that was you know being told like, okay, they're off in the second ring, and it's just him and Uso, and they're just brawling, you know, and and McIntyre is just you know going to town on him or whatever. Like that to me would have been, okay, they're they're telling a story here, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they they went in a different direction with it, and just it didn't. I don't know. It felt kind of flat to me. So yeah, it, it, you're right. It total missed opportunity. Um, um, yeah. For me, I, I liked uh, in the beginning, I liked some of the tension between Damien and Drew. There was kind of that alpha male thing going on um, and it kind of played in the match a little bit. Um, I thought they did a nice job with Finn and JD McDonough, you know, going to town on Seth where, while they had the advantage. Mm. But again, as, as we've been talking about, I think the downside here is that there's no consequence though. Like Seth is still in the match, you know, like, like, and and I'm not saying like, it's gotta be to the point where guys have to be like completely maimed where they're out of the match hundred percent, but it doesn't seem like any of the advantage that happens in the, in the front half of it affects anything on the back half of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, you know, I think, you know, things, you know, can fall a little flat sometimes just with, with the way the, the match concept gets carried out. Yeah. It's a grand theft auto effect. Like yeah. you can, yep. you get in trouble with the cops and they're chasing you. And just as long as you can lay low long enough, then, Oh, everything is fine. Everyone forgets that you just committed a felony. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like everyone forgets that you just took like three power bombs and a splash, you know, cause it's, it's 30 seconds later and you were laying over in the corner but now you're back to full power with with no you're not selling any kind of injury or fatigue or anything. Yep. Um, I like the three way uh, to kind of toward the end the three way aerial assault from Judgment Day where you had Finn Balor doing his coup mm. de gras, you had J D McDonough I think doing something, and then um, I don't know if it was Damian Priest or who, who was, uh, was no, da- Dom uh, Dom yeah, did a frog splash. splash. Yeah, um, I thought that was really cool. Um, we talked about the hanging DDT or the the five man hanging DDT. That was amazing. Um, I love the one Orton did it first. Like I mentioned, I mean, just just you oh, could yeah. tell the emotion was just flowing through him. His adrenaline was through the freaking roof. I, you know, it's funny. I watched something where Seth Rollins talked about. This goes back many years, but uh, there was an outdoor WrestleMania. And they did a spot where um, Seth went to do his curb stomp um, finisher. And when he goes and jumps off of Orton, uh, sorry, that he was fighting Randy Orton. And he goes to do the curb stomp on him. And when he jumps off of his head, they timed an RKO off of that. Where, yes. where Randy flips into the RKO and nails Seth as he's coming down. And Seth, as, as Seth tells the story, he's like, what's really funny is Randy was supposed to pin me at that point. But he's so fired up. Mm-hmm. That he forget like, so so you can already tell like emotions 
affect this guy when he's oh, like yeah. so he's feeding off of the crowd who went absolutely ballistic because it was an impressive looking thing at the time i mean he catches him midair and nails his finisher yeah and everyone just goes up aplectic at that point they're just like what the hell did we just see yeah and he feeds off of that and he's just like standing there looking at him like rawr, rawr. you know he's doing that like head <laughs> juke thing that he does and seth and the way seth tells it is he was supposed to pin me at that point he forgets yeah <laughs> Because he's so fired up with the crowd. So, I mean, clearly he's driven by emotion, you know, especially in the ring yeah. when the crowd is is super behind him like that. And, and the way he came back, you could just see it. And so, like, that hanging DDT was phenomenal. And then... What did you, you think know, about it, the, the RKO from the, the way they pitched the guy off the top of the yes. freaking <laughs> And he, I, mean, I love the fact, like the anticipation. Randy's down. I think he was even like he was like wringing his hands, like, "Oh yeah." Throw I think him. he even called the spot. He's like, "Put him here, <laughs> <laughs> like right here." I got it. <laughs> that was fantastic because it was like it, you knew it was coming, but you're like, and "Oh, I can't wait to see to JD this." McDonough because that that's got to be a tough thing to take. Because I mean, and you saw how he took the fall. Like he he mm-hmm. did a pretty swan, you know, like swan dive right off the top. And I, I've watched it a few times, and Randy times it pretty well, but there's still that, like, I'm amazed these guys do this stuff because even with Randy timing it the way he does, there's still that element of his head being up when he hits. And that's something that did severe damage to Dynamite Kid with his, fly, like, years of doing that flying headbutt he used to do. Same thing with Chris Benoit, where he would do that flying headbutt as well. Like, that does damage to the neck. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, I think McDonough was, I mean, I haven't seen anything on, on the wrestling sites that he's injured or anything like that, but I was just, at first I'm like, that's pretty risky oh, yeah. what they just did. You oh, know? it's intense, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but it, it came off phenomenal. And then I, uh, like, I like the fact that Orton just kind of gives, you know, Rhodes the thumbs up, like, yep, you put it away. And he throws yeah. the crossroads on Damian Priest and puts him down. So Or even, uh, and actually, uh, just to go back to that moment when everyone, everyone just kicked the living crap out of Dominic, <laughs> I thought it was great how he was in the middle of the three amigos yes. suplexes. He got two of them, and then he goes to get the third one, and everyone just grouped around him, and it's like, Oh man! And Cody just kind of <laughs> staggers away, like, "Yeah, I've been getting my my tail kicked, but now I'm better." <laughs> <laughs> but those are, those are some good moments. Those are see, and the thing is, like, those are the moments that you forget some of that stuff. But yes. when I saw it the other in the other areas, I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Mm-hmm. But yeah. Oh, and I gotta say, Jay Uso doing his splash from the other ring. Yeah, uh, top rope from the other ring, and he jumps over that divider into the second ring, and lands. It was was just phenomenal. So, what was it? A, didn't it? Wasn't it Sammy Zayn, who I forget who he had, wasn't it? Damian Priest he had in, on that diamond plate in between the ring, and he was just holding himself on the ring things. Oh and just yeah, and he was like stomping. stepping on him, like constantly. Yeah, like 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 flurry of kick sort of thing. That was that was hysterical. That, that was, was hysterical. great. That was. I'm like, you know what, Sammy, you're the only one who can pull that off because yep. that looks so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but because you're basically a human muppet, you know, <laughs> it just works. Well, I I went generous on this one. I gave this one five stars. I thought this was a very satisfactory final match. And, you you were very generous. Yes, I was generous. So I I went five on this one. I I liked it. I thought it told a good story, and uh, you know the return of Orton. You know, Cody winning the match, winning his father's match, I thought was mm-hmm. was well done as a stepping stone in the story that's being told as we go towards WrestleMania 40. Uh, so, yeah, I'm 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 all in on this one. Five stars. I, I guess you are. My gosh. 
It's like you had money on it. Um, I give it three and a half stars. What? I, you know, it's uh, three and a half stars is a very respectable ranking, sir. You know, I mean, everything can't be. I thought this match was worthy of at least four. I don't. I I think that, (sighs) again, you have to put in, it's not in a vacuum. It's in the context of the show. It is the main event. And it felt that there was a lot of repetition between between the first War Games match and this one. And I, I've got to hold it against that because if you, if, if you really don't want those two sim- to be similar, it's not like, you know, this is, you know, I hate to tell everybody, but this is pre-planned. And you, and you can determine like, okay, you know, we're not going to have the previous match was a DQ finish. You can't do a DQ finish. Okay, do something different. You could have swapped it up, but instead it was very similar and mm-hmm. it suffered. It did suffer. And and the and the whole like, oh, everyone's all right now with the no consequences, as you've said before, it does play into that. Um, because it, it it I did notice it. And again, I'm I'm one of those people who I try not to 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 live in that moment of like, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen next. I just yeah. wanna be I wanna watch the story unfold. I do the matches with wrestling matches, with movies, TV, all of that. And if I find myself going like, hey, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You've done something wrong because I'm I'm probably your best audience who is not going to do that. I, that's when I that's kind of my BS detector of when I'm like, okay, that was really friggin' obvious. If I if that pulled me out, you know, and I'm I'm like gushing with benefit of the doubt for for entertainment in those areas. If it pulled me out, then eh, okay, that tips the scale. Yeah. Um, but three and a half stars because again, I, it's not like I didn't enjoy the match. I thought it was a very good match, and it. You know, three point five is still good. It's still really good. It's above average. It's well above average. It's just not. It's not outstanding. I, I think don't think there was any match more. here that would really, if any match here qualified as as being worthy of five stars. To me, honestly, it's Miz and Gunther, just yeah. for a pure wrestling match and for the for the drama that was created. But I know that that's also because I like you know actually seeing wrestling instead of you know Roman Reigns like punch kick stand around for five minutes before you know he does decides to move or do something so i kind of like you know actual action uh call me call me crazy but yeah three and a half stars we agree to disagree yes we do well normally we would say this is the uh, end of the event and we move on to end another thing but uh as the man they called tim who was watching this live saturday night saw uh WWE was about to close the show out. And then this song hit. And the and crowd Doug, oh went my gosh. insane. Not insane. Like, whatever there is after. Delirium is closer to the fact. Apoplectic? Apoplectically delirious. The return of oh my CM gosh. Punk to WWE was phenomenal. And a... Just an amazing way to end the event uh, and done just masterfully because mm. as I explained to Uncle Todd and and I know as he watched the uh, th- there's always like this little like, you know, kind of icon they pop up in the lower right of the TV screen when the uh, event is yeah, wrapping it's like up. copyright and stuff like that. And so, you, you know. You're, you're you're looking at this like panned out view from the ring of the, of the war games match. The baby faces are celebrating their victory. Cody's music is playing. 
you're thinking it's the end of the event. I literally was two seconds away from just clicking my browser window shut. And the only and thing going that saved bed. him was that the man they called Tim had probably was about four bourbons deep as he, as he was amen watching that and point. Amen. <laughs> he was still trying to find the mouse. <laughs> Little snow. <laughs> Which, and, I, what the mouse? I, hey, what's going on? And literally within like uh you know thirty seconds of of that music hitting and seeing him walk out, I'm texting Uncle Todd like, "Oh my God, he's back!" And completely spoiled the show Uncle for me Todd's because like, I, gave me the Ron Simmons treat, and he's like, "Damn, spoilers!" No, like. Son of a gun! I'm sorry. I forgot. I I I did not realize that Tim was that far gone and deep into the bourbon oh, that night. Man, he he wasn't just I knee was, deep. You were it, about you were about chest deep. It, it wasn't just the bourbon. It was the excitement oh of the moment. It's the bourbon, the turkey, the because trip fan, everything. I, I had I had assumed and I had thought that this just wasn't going to happen. I mean, like any window for him returning in the event just was closed you know randy Mm -hmm. came back he you know no way punk was getting involved in this match so it's like okay the event's got to be over and triple h and team did like i said did a masterful job because yes everyone and their brother thought this event was done there was no punk the crowd wasn't excuse me the crowd wasn't revolting or anything like that either like they like they were genuinely celebrating you know the end of this 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 you know men's war game match Mm -hmm. and i think it was just that was it there was no chance for punk there. There, I mean, there, there were, you know, you know, smatterings of it across the event, but I think at that point, everyone was kind of like, yeah, it's just not going to happen. And when that music hit, Oh my God, did the place go absolutely just off, just unhinged. And I love how they ended the event because I don't know if you watch it all the way through when he, you know, came back, but there's this point where he just lets out this howl. This like, Oh, and that's when they cut the feed and just move on to the the ads for whatever the next event is and stuff like yeah. that or or the commercial or whatever. And I thought that was great. I thought that was a great way to end it with him just like just letting out this primal yell, you know, as 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 he's back. Um, I don't know if you noticed uh, there was a guy when he was kind of uh, leaning into the crowd that kind of hooked him a little bit and was yelling Chicago a bunch of times. Yeah. Did you notice, though, when Punk broke away from him? I think he, like, flinged the guy's, like, phone off. <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> the guy was holding his phone. He just, like, went like this. And it looks like the phone, I think, went flying. And I'm like... For a moment, I'm like, I feel really, I mean, as obnoxious as, as that guy was yelling Chicago 5,000 times, I kind of felt bad a little bit. It's like, you just had this moment where you filmed the man. <laughs> nah, oh, not even a little bit. Oh, well, I, The thing is, like, he, he probably thought, like, and that was, he was a larger, he was a larger individual. He was, like that. he was. And he probably thought, oh, I got him. And it's like, you, you know, you, you got to watch out for punk. He's whitey. But I got to give uh, a full five stars to that that return. Oh, because we're ranking. We're ranking the segment that had we're, no. We're ranking okay. the segment. I mean, th- this this deserves a ranking because, for crying out loud, none of us thought it was going to happen uh, at, at this stage in the event. I mean, it was it was pretty much done at that point. And God, what a wonderful way to bring him back! I'll give it. I'll give it four and a quarter stars. Oh, stingy! Well, I mean, because again, it's it it, it was. I give it mostly that because it was it was so well planned, yeah. And in terms of pacing and 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 in how you, they didn't take away, like even the they they it wasn't like right after the pin, 
for the main event. They gave the guys in the ring mm-hmm. time. They gave them their moment. Yep. And they and to your point, like making everybody think, like, okay, this is just the end of the show. Yeah. Yep. And then they do it. Yeah. And and by holding it all because I don't know that anybody's ever done that for a pay per view. Mm-hmm. done something like that that wasn't a run-in that wasn't you know interference or something like that just had someone walk out yeah and kind of like i'm here and that's it i don't know i don't really know that's ever happened before and i think yep. the, the fact that they did it that way it was it, so different it was, it was so great different. storytelling and also great pacing like they didn't yep. take away from anybody else yeah you know in the same way that the performers and WWE did a great job of, of making sure that the CM Punk chance didn't get, you know, didn't get out of control because of boredom and taking too much time. Like they really did. They presented a lot of well-paced matches that were entertaining, even if there were foregone conclusions. So kudos to, to everyone all the way around. It was a I, not the greatest pay-per-view ever, but I mean, it was it was a really solid show and it was entertaining. It was. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, my God. Unless you're one of the, you know, the schmucks over at uh, the WWE subreddit who aren't satisfied with anything. I'm like, yeah. hey, if, how about you guys go talk to the Star Wars fans? You uh, you all would be a great at a party. I think we got a post in the show notes. Uh, I think it's on YouTube. There's a link of Seth Rollins' reaction to all of this. At, I don't know yes. if you saw that. Yeah. Um, but this is, I think, definitely building toward a WrestleMania 40. And, and this will be poetic because one of... Punk's biggest beefs when he had his his first run was he was and we've talked about this he he was never really booked as a main event in any of the pay-per-views even when he was champion and I think what what a lot of the rumors are pointing to is we're going to have a Punk Seth Rollins world heavyweight title match at WrestleMania 40 probably main eventing one of the two nights and I think that would be poetic. I, I think that would be very good uh, of the company to give him that moment um, because I think it's well-earned for him. I mean, he he had a 434-day run as champion. Um, I think when he was a world champion, he treated that with the respect that, you know, someone with an old-school appreciation of wrestling would treat it. And, and I think a lot of his frustration was due to that that view not being respected and recognized. And it was under the Vince era. And I think not that I think triple H will give him everything he wants, but I think, I think the two of them are actually as much as the two of them butted heads. I think they're both of a similar mind. And I think that's why they butt heads. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think they they both appreciate the old school kind of mentality of, of wrestling and, and the way things should be done. And so I, well, I'm, I'm yeah, excited to see that kind of play out. And, and I think it'd be great. I think, you know, Rollins has been very vocal about his displeasure with Punk, and I think it'd be great to lean into some of the reality of that. Mm-hmm. You know, Punk is a, Punk is great because of the reality of his character and and the situations that he brings into his angles. That's what yeah. made his his whole feud with MJF so great to have some young fan who is now a wrestler and and just kind of play off of 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 you know some of the jealousy or insecurity or angst that 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 this younger wrestler must have toward him you know similar with Rollins like Rollins I could see turning full heel on this because he thinks Punk is a hypocrite and Mm -hmm. rightfully so you know when you look at everything Punk has said you know he's sold out this company for the last 10 years based on his gripes with it and Rollins has been slaving away trying to build the brand and and to be a main event talent and I think there's a lot of reality they can play with here that's going to be really compelling leading up to that match. Mm-hmm. No, and I agree. And I think the 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 promo from Raw the following night 
kind of demonstrates some of that, you know, uh, yeah. and I think that, you know, when he's like, I've changed. And I think even in triple H after in the press conference saying, you know, how much they've both changed, yeah. it helps a lot when one of them is no longer wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that it, you're correct. Like they can, you know, they can still have those gripes for a similar reason, mm-hmm. but you can at least respect somebody who is like, you know, who ticks you off, but you're like, well, they're, they're ticking me off and they're rubbing me the wrong way, but they're doing it for the betterment of the business. So yeah. we can at least find some sort of common ground and we don't, you know, we don't necessarily need to have agreement. We just need to have a consensus. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't, we don't have to a hundred percent love each other for this, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think I think one of the interesting things that he he threw out at the end of his promo there when he was off mic, yeah, on Raw was I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money, yeah. which to me is interesting because I think it could be very it could be very interesting the way that they decide to play his character out if they don't try to make him be a hundred percent babyface. Yeah, if they still allow him some heelish tendencies. And to, to kind of almost be like a, a almost like an Austin character where he's he's walking that line in between, yeah. You know where it, it because people just love him, but he's still doing stuff that would be that would be considered heelish. Yeah. You know, I think that would be interesting. And and I think the other thing that plays into this kind of nicely too is, uh, and I was reading this today is uh, on CagesideSeats.com, um, which is a really good you know if you're into wrestling and, and, and you want to get some good scoop and some good you know just kind of behind the scenes info um, they're they're a top-notch site um, they were talking about I believe uh, with punk that you know when he was in aew there was kind of the added weight where he he was kind of the big draw mm-hmm. and coming into WWE <laughs> now maybe his attitude is different maybe there's less pressure on him because he's not the focal point like he's certainly one of the focal points but he's not the focal point for that company and and that and yeah. and, and and the point being there that maybe the 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 reduction in that pressure maybe makes this run for him a little more enjoyable and less stressful because it's not certainly his storyline is important mm-hmm. but it's not the thing driving the company like it was at AEW i don't necessarily know that that pressure is is a thing because it seems to me like one of his gripes with WWE in that idea of like him treating the title as seriously, yeah, but not really being ever being considered the main eventer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he, he wants that responsibility. I think yeah. he's okay with that. I think he feels like he can, he can do that. And mm-hmm. probably even today feels like he can still do it. I mean, my God, he got on the mic for eight and a half minutes and just had the crowd eating out of the palm of his hand. Yeah. And, just kind of, but but like reviewing some the, history in many ways. But some of the angst that happened at AEW may have been due to the fact that he was so, fo- like like I think a lot of the the friction was I think he probably viewed him. And again, I I don't know anything. I'm just speculating based on what mm-hmm. I've read. But it seems like, and and it feels like a reasonable theory to say that maybe some of the friction that happened there with him was because he viewed himself as this leader carrying the whole company on his shoulders where now he's going into a situation where he knows he's not carrying the whole company on his shoulders. He, well, he's, I think, he's there as a talent. He's there as an important talent, but he's not the focal point. And maybe that leads to a more kind of relaxed punk overall, as opposed to what he dealt with at <laughs> AEW. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that dude's a guy who's going to relax. 
Right. I think he I think he just is who he is. Yeah. Um, mm. I th- he's a very intense individual. He like watching that promo. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like if Henry Rollins was a wrestler. Mm. Um, that sort of thing. Because yeah. those there's just people who are just so intense that when they look at you, even though like you might be having a friendly conversation, you can tell like they are hyper focused on you and that they're, yeah. they're they're almost staring through you because they are in so intent and focused on it. I think it had more to do with the at least in my opinion, and just knowing some of the the stuff they dealt with at WWE, it was almost like oh, great, now I'm dealing with this stuff here, and it's not even like I have one person I can go to. I'm being, you know, there's other people here who aren't as serious as this about about this as I am. They aren't treating it seriously. They're not treating it as seriously as I want it to be treated. And the, the, the inmates are running the asylum. Mm-hmm. I think that was more the frustration is like, I, there's not yeah. even like anyone I can go to as an authority figure to be like, hey, what the hell? Yeah. Because that authority figure is letting everybody run it, and in fact, the the idiots who are running it are also authority figures. Yeah. So it's like, well, now what? You know, same. I mean, in a in a way, I can see it almost as a repetition of like, well, I got to put up with Triple H, who, you know, what am I going to say? Who's going to go first? Yeah. Uh, me or the guy who is the the son in law of the owner of the company? Right. And the right. guy who has all the creative control, gee, I think I'm going to be the one that goes, you know, so that that would tend to I would tend to think is more about it rather than the any kind of pressure or being the because I, I think that's a guy who who relishes that pressure. Honestly, we shall see. But that's just my opinion. Let me get the music one more time. I haven't talked to Phil lately. You know, he he's been yeah. busy the last couple of nights. There it is. Brace it, people's. The funk, oh, the energy. Just a slowdown on those hits right before you get out of the intro. Oh, come on. Best entrance music ever. Sing it, Cord. Did you notice when they were, when they were, uh, it felt like the crowd was singing. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was so great. That was so loud. I can't even imagine what that was like. Indeed. I, I imagine like even the people who were in the ring who are like healing it up are still like in the back of their head like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I got goosebumps that have got goosebumps. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And another thing. All right, sir. It's uh it's getting late in the day here. It is. Um so uh what do you got for and another thing? Uh, my and another thing is a uh, new toy. Uh, you know, last episode I talked about the Atari system I picked up. Uh, you know, two hundred games. I was playing that with the uh, the sons over the course of the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Had a lot of fun with it. Um, but I had a uh, a colleague uh, or former colleague of mine uh, kind of exposed me a bit to the uh, the remarkable uh, digital notepad. It is a a notepad that. Um, basically simulates kind of the feeling of, of writing, uh, on paper. Um, but you're writing on a tablet and, uh, it gives you, uh, all the flexibility, uh, contained therein, which is, you know, uh, a lot of different note taking templates you can utilize, um, can modify your notes 
move things around as you see fit and, and have, uh, you know, pretty much a, a limitless, uh, you know, space in terms of, of getting thoughts, ideas, and, and, and other things down on, on quote unquote paper or digital paper. Uh, I recently got one, uh, over the last week and, uh, have started using it. In fact, I'm using it tonight for our, what have we learned segment that we'll get into in a moment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I would just highly recommend it. Um, it is, uh, you know, right now they have a black, uh, Friday sale, uh, $70 off. So uh, overall it's, I think like around a $500 purchase, uh, which I know is a bit, you know, steep, but, uh, it is a, it, it is a great tool. I've started using it both, uh, personally and at work and it is, uh, it, it's, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I'm definitely someone who remembers things, writing them down. Uh, mm. and so to have something like this is, uh, definitely, you know, uh, help to me and as opposed to just trying to type things and, and try to remember, cause, uh, I, I don't seem to remember things very well that way. So, uh, so if you're in the market for, uh, if you're not big on, on having, you know, thousands of notebooks, uh, for, for work or for, for personal stuff, uh, this is a, 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 a definitely a good buy, uh, the remarkable, uh, notepad. I love how we're, your, your, your retro is actually going retro. Like you're going backwards. So last, yes. last episode you had the, the, the retro gaming console that was the, the, the Atari emulator. Yes. This week you have the retro notepad. So yes. It's digital, but yet it feels like paper. I can't wait till next episode when it's like, I've got this, uh, this retro thing. It's called a wheel. <laughs> it's a digital wheel and it'll, uh, then, then the next episode will be, I've discovered this digital fire. <laughs> I have this hut that I live in. <laughs> cave. It's called, I, a, it's called a townhouse, but it's actually a cave. I if you think about roast it. beast. <laughs> well, that'd be the one thing that isn't retro. That's very much present day for you. <laughs> what is your end and other things, sir? Uh, this past uh, Saturday night, I had the opportunity to. Uh, I, I I always love it when I can kind of double up on things like these. I got to play a gig, so I got to play three hours of music, and then I got to go to a, a concert, which nice. is always a lot of fun. Nice. Um, and I was at a, a venue in Portland, Maine, and it was to see a band called Model Airplane, which is kind of a lo- bit of a local institution. It's kind of like a an all star band, so it's a band that really only comes together once maybe twice a year. I think right now mm-hmm. is basically once a year and they do uh, their Thanksgiving show. Ah, nice. And it is like, it's basically like a lot of the best, you know, the, the best musicians in and around Portland. And uh, this year, um, really the leader of the band is a, is a singer called Lyle Davinsky. He's, you know, he's toured with bands. He's, he's done his own stuff. He's an incredible songwriter. He's one of those guys as a singer makes me mad because I'm like, I don't think you've ever sung a bad note in your life. And it, it really pisses me off. Um, but, but one of the, the other lead singers of the band, uh, was, uh, this woman, Gina Olibrio, who also leads a band, uh, around Portland. But, um, she's, uh, I've also had the, had an opportunity to work with her and mm. she's phenomenal and also just a really, really w- nice human being, uh, a lot of fun to hang out with and talk with. Um, 
I'm so glad that I got to do a show with her. It was it was f- so much fun. And she's one of those people who I heard her sing and I'm like, okay, I ought to just have you sing everything. Um, and I'll just go sit in the corner and maybe order pizza for everyone. Would that be all right? Because I can't hold a candle to that. Um, but she recently, in the last uh, year and a half, two years, she released uh, an album of original mu- um, music called Atlas. And they did a couple of her original songs at this show with this band. And it was it just reminded me like, oh, my gosh, these are fantastic songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to put a link in the show notes. You can buy the album off of Bandcamp and help support her as a musician and also get yourself some dope music because it's freaking amazing stuff. Um, so, yeah, Gina Olibrio, Atlas, go stream it, go buy it, buy several digital copies of it and give it to your friends and uh, spread the love. Excellent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is about that time. We are hurtling towards midnight here on the East Coast. I'm wide awake, baby. I'm wide awake. Yeah, it's, it's a miracle what a half a bottle of Maker's Mark will do for you. Hey, it's I think Maker's he's mixed... Mark private selection, baby. Right, oh, my left. gosh. You you have almost finished that. <laughs> <laughs> I was only joking. I turned myself off. I'm not having there's, any more tonight. There's like one fi- You might as well. There's like one finger left in that thing. My God. That's um, about right. It's about a finger. <laughs> Jeez. What have I done? Well, here's a pleasant sight. Cirrhosis the Wonder Dog. Passed out on his couch. Um, but thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for sticking around and, and, uh, and listening to us. We do certainly appreciate it. Thank you all to members of the Free Range Idiocy Congregation for hanging out with us. Uh, you can join the Free Range Idiocy Congregation simply by subscribing to our humble little podcast here on the interwebs. You can find us at freerangeidiocy.com. That has all of our episodes there. You can you can download each of them individually. You can also subscribe right there, uh, or through the Podbean app. You can find us on uh, we are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We are on Amazon. We are on Spotify. We are on Pandora. All of those regular places. Go ahead and search for Free Range EDC. You'll find us. We are also on the social medias. We're on uh, Facebook. We're on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube where we have full episodes to to download there, not download, but stream. So you can subscribe on our YouTube channel and get all of our episodes there as well. Um, Here are and, ramblings on the YouTubes. Yeah, there's plenty of, uh, yeah, and, and we don't even monetize. So if you get commercials on there, just know we ain't getting a cut of that. So feel free to skip that crap, let me little tell snug, you. Little snug, little on snug on the commercials. <laughs> snug. It's probably it's gonna be some stupid commercial that we hate anyways because it's overplayed. Yeah, of course. Anyways, um, I should just start inserting like re- weird random like <laughs> words throughout our episode. Like just pick a word and then see if that if that like if I say margarine enough times throughout co- <laughs> like 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 something that would be a product and say it like twenty <laughs> times throughout the episode at random times, would we start getting commercials for that? That could be a new thing for us. Um, oh my gosh, I'm it's getting late and I'm getting tired and I don't have nearly enough bourbon in my system like Tim does, so oh. I'm not wide awake. Uh, if you have any questions or thoughts or concerns or any suggestions for a show please send those to tim at freerangeedc.com and he'll mm-hmm. get to you as soon as he sobers up uh, and now we're going to hand over the uh the show to the le- least idiotic of the two idiots who run this show uh, but not before i ask the second most important question in all of humankind the first of course is nothing uh, it has to be what is hip the second being 
the hell did we learn this episode? Uh, we've learned the following, my friend, and I have all this written down on my nice new uh, oh digital my gosh, tablet. It's such a show. It's kind of pathetic, but it's also, it, it, it's, I, I Wildly admire endearing, it. isn't it? Oh, it is. I, 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 you, know, you commit to the gimmick. You commit to the gimmick. Indeed. Uh, we've learned the following. We've learned uh, Uncle Todd and the man they called him uh, gorge themselves in disgusting fashion on <sighs> Turkey Day weekend. So oh, uh, We are such in fatty McButterpants territory right now. It's we are. Every, you want to talk about a little too snug. That was like the shirt that I went to put on Saturday night. <laughs> That's the pants and the shirt. <laughs> My wife was telling me, she's like, yeah, I noticed when you turned a certain way, you had one button that was just like... <gasps> <laughs> barely holding it together. I'm like, thanks, dear. Appreciate that. Uh, appreciate the feedback. A little snug on the feedback. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Gotta tag me out of nowhere with that one. Uh, we have learned Uncle Todd uh, has two bourbon converts uh, to his name, myself and his wife. I prefer to I prefer to think of you as bourbon acolytes. Okay. I, I can do that. You know. Bam. Actually, speaking of which, while Bam. I do this segment, can I get a little uh, in, uh, of, of the uh, cult of personality, please? No, we're we're in the outro music now. You, you just come on, mind your business. Just keep going All right. here. All right. We've also learned Uncle Todd uh, is the gravy champion for 2023. Uh, well done, yeah. sir. Even though you left the the apple out of it, but that's all right. Yeah, well. Uh, we've also learned uh, from, uh, I, I mean, not so much learn, but just request from Netflix. You know, Uncle Todd, the man they call Tim, will gladly take 350, whether that be yes, million. <laughs> That's it. Indeed, indeed. If, if, if you're willing, we will take it. Yeah. We've also learned that Free Range EDC, uh, we have some ideas about improving war games, and we think they're pretty compelling. So, let me talk to you. Triple H, listen up, baby. Uh, we've also yeah. learned uh, Uncle Todd uh, is a bit stingy with the stars on uh, this this event, but the man they called him is not. Man, that's your, that's your, that's your opinion, man. Uh, man they called him uh, is a fantasy football maven, six five and one baby, third place uh, this late in the season. And last but not least, we have learned CM Punk is back, and wrestling yeah. is the better for it. Yeah. With all that being said, as uh, my fine compatriot has already mentioned, we thank you for the listenership. We thank you for the downloads. And as we close things up on the range, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. The oh, range got is it. closed. And uh, we thank you again. Good night. Godspeed. Be safe. Be healthy. Be kind. <laughs> be good to one another. And, is this uh, ever going? You're going to land this plane anytime soon? <laughs> no. No, I'm pulling up for another because <laughs> I got to go take a leak. I just keep I know he does. I'm just trying to stretch this out to see if he's going to do that. I'm jig. looking at one of these hands, wondering if I can make it. You see, he does that jig where he's just like, my bladder's about to burst. Can you just can you say good night, please? Good night, please. Thanks. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start making you do a breathalyzer before you start in your <laughs> oh, intro. Oh, give me a break! <laughs> That's you. Shut off, because you start meandering on like. And let me tell you a forethought, and I thought that. Like, where the hell's he going with this? Oh. Now get the hell out of here!